0: Yeah. Right, you guys have patreon Funny. supporters yeah. Which, yeah. No, well keep one, of no one. one of, the of them's no one of the two of them one of the
1: two patreon supporters is me which means i guess i pay for this service and the other one and the other one is Should joe's mom it's
0: time to get things started with how to survive the modern world or gen x isn't just a fashion statement presented by tribe74.com
2: dark settings scenes with beautiful imagery politics and deranged serial killers then you're going to love our topic today ladies and gentlemen we are talking about the batman vengeance himself robert pattinson
3: i thought ah. we were going to talk about the new mutants right there
2: oh for fuck's sakes rob <laughs> is,
3: is that not yeah uh, I, I, joy, right? first, first yeah. rule first first rule and there was definitely murder in uh, the new mutants
2: yeah the the enemy is a mystical bear so let's roll the fucking intro before we talk about that <laughs> hello and welcome to 21st century cinema it's the podcast about film and the film industry and today it's also the podcast with another podcast on it it's a crossover uh, i've never done that before kick us off i am your host joseph della and joining me as almost always is from newfoundland himself can't pronounce theater properly and uh is currently trying to dig himself out of a giant snowstorm ladies and gentlemen noah shepherd is with us today noah how it are you uh,
1: i good it wasn't a snowstorm it was a windstorm and oh. the island's fiber optic cable or like lines half of them are down <laughs> so islands five
2: lines you guys have one line for all of newfoundland let's be real not
1: one but there's like four um (laughs) uh, so uh yeah so we're it's honestly a miracle that i'm here is it is it
3: because it's a giant rock that they can't bury in the ground
1: exactly so they basically just like wedge it in between two things to just hope it stands
3: (laughs) on behalf Um, on behalf of noah shut up joe (laughs) (laughs) the voice you're hearing
2: from the void right now or if you're on the video version The man sitting in his garage, creepily, behind a Canadian flag, um, that is Rob Don't look over there. (laughs) (laughs) Rob uh, comes to us from uh, his podcast, How to Survive the Modern World or Gen X Isn't Just a Fashion Statement. Um, and he is also joined by his co host joining us today, Andrew Stewart. Welcome, gentlemen, to 21st Century Cinema. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, I guest starred on Robin Andrews' podcast a few weeks ago. We talked about uh, the best and worst films of 2021 and Watchmen because no one doesn't let me talk about it on here as much as I'd like to. Um, hey, Ava's the one with the Watchmen rule. We're happy to have you guys. Really excited to talk about Batman with you. I don't know how many times you guys have seen it. Um, I've seen it three times in the last week and a half, it's been Damn. out. Yeah all uh, in I've, different formats too so i've got notes like i've so. seen it
3: twice and uh, let me interject back here for just for a quick second there joe when you were on our podcast you talked and we listened about the watchman
0: <laughs> yeah the only reason uh, i've actually shown up today i want the members only jacket for you guys show <laughs> so the the, club? The, you shut up <laughs> the club, the the club? club. <laughs> yeah the club.
2: yeah uh no i don't know if you got a chance to listen to the episode yet or not but rob continuously calls our podcast 21st century Cinema Club." And he wants that's to be fair. in the club, and it's, it's hey, not a club.
1: Maybe maybe that's what we should name the Patreon, right? No, that's what we and should it, name the Patreon, yeah. You and my
2: mom can be in a club together. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I go. love Phil,
1: so that's perfect.
3: Perfect. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to hear. Uh, Andrew and I, we uh, we went and checked it out uh, the week that it opened. Uh, the mm-hmm. bat- Going back to the Batman, not the New Mutants. Then I uh, I dragged my wife out to see uh, the Batman again last night as well, because uh, I wanted to uh, get myself updated and refreshed and kind of take a breather before I talked about it because I was so uh, in I enjoyed it the first time around so much that I thought I better go and see it again with a little more calmness and a little less, uh, you know, having my wife beside me, who was a lot more critical of this stuff and maybe get her opinion on it and see. So we'll talk about that. But yeah, I've seen it twice. Joe's seen it three times. Andrew, you've only seen it once.
0: Yeah, I thought about going to watch it this afternoon, but then I looked at the time and realized if I went to go catch the show, that I wouldn't make this show. So yeah, it's long. It's long. You, yeah, you it's
2: definitely exactly. need you
3: definitely need to set a whole day for it. That's for sure. Mm, yeah.
2: Uh-huh. yeah. Um, Noah, you've only seen it once, I think, right? Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah, I saw it once. Um, I, I have been on mornings ever since. So mm-hmm. uh, although I did enjoy it, I don't know if I could stay awake for two and a half hours straight. So mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen it since. Fair I will,
3: enough. I will tell you, I was so tired yesterday that the last half hour was a struggle getting through. I was doing the uh, the Jimmy legs. You know, my legs were just kicking mm-hmm. about and trying to keep the blood flowing and the eyes open. Mm-hmm. It was a little tough.
2: We all agree that it's long, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Or, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize how long of a movie it was when, mm-hmm. when I sat down in the seat. And I actually didn't I somewhat notice the time mm-hmm. go by. But like it man, it was a long movie. I wasn't ready for that.
3: <laughs> it's got a lot it's
1: got a lot of uh that uh return of the king in it. Oh especially yeah. that that last that last uh forty-five minutes, um, which should be fifteen, but yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, I disagree. Well, they, they well they, they definitely tricked you into thinking that it was over mm-hmm. as soon as soon as uh, uh are are we doing spoilers here?
2: Yeah, are yeah. Spoilers, spoilers okay. all
3: the way. Oh yeah. All right. Uh yeah, when they uh when they captured the riddler uh i thought okay wrapping it up this is how it's gonna end and then uh yeah and then they're like hey no guess what here's another 40 minutes an extra twist on top of the twist that's right
2: uh yeah i I disagree with you though noah that the last 45 minutes see i wouldn't cut anything from this movie usually Um, i always like find like oh you could cut this you could cut that i wouldn't cut anything from this movie
1: for me, it's not like a big part. It's more so when all those Riddler goons are going around. There's mm-hmm. like four or five times that they just end that conflict, and just like it's like fake out, fake out, fake out, and then something mm-hmm. happened. But there's like it's specifically two sequences, right? When he mm-hmm. uh, before, or when he is like knocked off the beam before he uses the adrenaline mm-hmm. or venom, as some people are uh, theorizing, or then after as well like there's i think there was just a way to tighten a little bit of that up but Mm -hmm. i that is the nitpick of you know that's the nitpickiness Mm -hmm. of uh of Mm -hmm. that's that's just what we're here
2: for right yeah so let's uh, start with like the most obvious thing that we need to talk about is how do we feel about robert pattinson as batman because like it was something that was divisive on the internet. Uh, especially when the casting was announced, you have those people who have seen him in like his indie stuff and who've seen him in bigger things such as The Lighthouse or Tenet and who were like, yes, this is going to be great, it's going to be awesome. And then you've got people who are basing it off of Twilight who are like, why the hell is this guy Batman? Um, so uh, I don't know who whoever wants to start, but who wants to voice their opinions first?
3: Uh, for for the for me, I only know him from Twilight and mm-hmm. uh, Harry Potter. Uh, I do know that he's done other stuff. I just have mm-hmm. never had a chance to actually watch it. But I went in here, and I'm 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 not the judgy kind of person in that regards. Like I I like to give people opportunity, and the fact that he has done indie stuff mm-hmm. and done well with the indie stuff that I'm not uh, then I just kind of assume that he'd be pretty good. And I thought he's kind of got a grungy look to him, so I thought he'd be fine. I. I'm going to say that uh, the the emo haircut was a little much I think but uh you know what he uh, he did good as far as I'm concerned I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bulkier a little more muscly uh and, you know just to kind of make the believability of him being a, a super awesome fighter especially the way they portrayed you know like his fights were great like it's just like one two punch and then the guy was like done uh so but I think it would have been a little more believable if he would have had you know maybe a Extra 60 pounds on him, or something, but uh, not a problem at all. Robert Pattinson is, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I I am going out on a limb and saying that he is the best Batman. I agree, yeah, yeah, I I do as well.
2: From the moment in that first opening scene when he walks out of the shadows to that last scene on the motorcycle, it is like Batman has stepped off the page. It is like that, that is Batman.
3: I am embarrassed to say this, and uh, it's probably going to come across very vulgar across on your podcast. But uh, oh, even no. though I was sitting beside Andrew at the first showing, I had a boner.
0: <laughs> no, no, he, I'm right, oh no! I oh, hope my. it wasn't from me. No.
1: <laughs> I maybe. completely agree. We're there's cut never, that. <laughs> there's never been a better Batman jaw. Just carved out of stone, that man. Oh my god
3: it was (laughs) he was dreamy he was dreamy now i know why bella swan was uh infatuated with him Mm -hmm. uh that being said as batman yeah absolutely fantastic and i look forward and i hope that they are considering having uh an extra you know a couple movies with him in it
2: Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i I think they're going to yeah andrew so you liked him
0: yeah, I like him. Um, now I really didn't know him from before this. I never watched the Twilight series at all.
2: Yeah, neither did and, i but I think Rob's a big fan. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um,
2: People who like Twilight tend to like Anya Taylor Joy's Magic.
3: I uh, know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm i a I'm a fan by proxy. I'm a fan by proxy because everybody in my household has watched it about eight thousand times, and uh I know I, I hate those movies. I hate that girl that plays Bella Swan. Although I, I heard she does does a great job in the Princess gotta watch Diana watch Spencer. Movie. Gotta watch Spencer. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. I I'll, don't uh,
0: think it was his dialogue, though, that made made him uh, made us all fall in love with the the character. I think it was really the cinematography. Oh, oh yeah.
2: God. Matt Reeves is a fucking genius. He just looks
1: so great. Right. Just an, every, every, well, everything looks so great. But specifically surrounding mm-hmm. Batman, it was just mm-hmm. just so well thought out and paced.
2: When I first saw like the trailer and like the reveal of the costume, the one thing I was off about, like I thought the suit looked like a great like starter suit, but the cowl was a little weird to me. I was like, I'm not crazy on the cowl. It didn't bother me the entire movie. Just seeing that cowl, like and it just it fits so well. It looked good. I I loved it.
3: Going back and and watching a, a few videos, you know, talking about who's the best Batman and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I I've seen the Michael Keaton cowl and the uh, uh sorry the uh, Christian Bale cowl, and I'm thinking actually I like. I like the Robert Pattinson kale. Yeah. Uh, uh Cowl, Not uh, kale. But <laughs> I I liked it and I thought it actually is probably the closest to being true to a comic book costume like at least a mask yeah. anyway than anything else. Uh the other ones if if you look back and maybe it's just because it's not fresh in your mind but if you look back you know they look like these big rubber suits that just mm. you know their faces are squeezed into and with the Robert Pattinson it was like actually looked it looked like it should have been there and his face looked normal he didn't look like some guy in a halloween costume
2: yeah no he didn't and i recently rewatched the dark knight a few weeks ago before this came out and like i re-looked at bale's bat suit and i'm like i don't like this as much as i did before and this was before like falling in love with the pattinson suit and everything like i was like i don't like i don't like the way it looks too much the ears were too big and pointy to me like you said it it looks like he's in
3: a rubber suit it didn't sit straight on his face either like one side of it was like
2: and his head like right here it looked very bulky here but then very skinny here
1: it also had like this big flat nose in it that just mm-hmm. it, it never like like you said it never fit his head and well, it, it just th- always looked off
3: <laughs> it didn't help with his lips like sticking weight out like he's pursing him every time yeah. he's like, oh, the Batman, no. he looked like uh <laughs> he looked like have you guys ever seen the bad uh comedy uh, oh call, incredible comedy yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it was like he, i go back and look and christian bale looks exactly like that dude that uh, portrayed him in the in those parody yeah. skits
2: hope starts uh, with an
0: age dumbass yeah <laughs> i'll give you my nine hard cold inches <laughs> really feels in the freshness <laughs> okay well thank you for bringing this to the podcast right. well hey
3: you want you want to disparage an- anya taylor joy then i'm gonna disparage you joe shut oh, up Joe. <laughs> um
2: yeah, so yeah, Benno, I really do agree. The cinematography really adds to it. There are so many wow. great shots too, of uh, just like with like the silhouettes of him, you know, like with the city in the background. And I absolutely loved also like how you can see that this is a Batman still finding his way. Like I love absolutely. that he hasn't realized yet that he needs to glide very compactly. I love that he had <laughs> a whole suit and a parachute and he was like, oh, this doesn't work and I could kill myself. Um, I loved that about it. I loved how he hasn't really figured out batterings yet. He just had that one there, but then he had to use it. And he's now realizing, oh, could probably use a few more of these. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that, you know, we're seeing those roots. We're seeing Batman become Batman, but without having that origin story shoved down our throats again.
3: I thought yeah. that was it, really nice. Sorry.
0: It was good to leave that out. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I think everybody. Oh, knows with the, the, with the story. pearls shattering yeah. and <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely,
1: it was the right call. Just cut it. We all know it. It's the same yeah. thing they did with Spider Man recently, right? Like just it, cut exactly. it. We know it.
3: Yeah. Exactly. I was just yeah. about to say, like they they finally realized that uh, you know they've been around since the uh, the '40s and the '60s. I think it's about time that uh, you know we figured the story out. Let's move on and yeah. get some
0: cut out crime death. alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: but yeah but uh, it really yeah but like that was one thing though the first time i saw it like it immersed me so much i was glued yeah. to the screen i was like oh my gosh like i don't want this to end and so like when it did end i was like that was long but enjoyable like i could watch more of it it was so so good it, the honestly the batman has taken its place as the best comic book movie for me like of all time it's so fucking yeah, good. Really i good. loved it so much
3: yeah, i want to talk more 100%. about
2: all the stuff But just in, like, general thoughts, anything else anybody wants to, like, sum up here? Uh,
3: uh, Just talking, going back to the cinematography for a minute. Like, Mm -hmm. as a filmmaker myself at one point, the cinematography in this is, like, basic, it it was eye candy the entire time. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like, they turned it, like, I felt uh, felt very much like I was watching Mm -hmm. The Crow at some points with just how dark it was and how gritty it was. Mm -hmm. And then I was, like, reading a comic book uh with especially like the modern day detective comics and stuff like that mm-hmm. where they're very dark and gritty uh and it was just such a uh nice uh change up from the old mm-hmm. colorful comic book movies that we're used to in the last like you know number of years mm-hmm. cinematography was fantastic and there was some scenes and i don't know if, if anybody's done looked at looked up any of the easter eggs or anything but there's like scenes where you just see the bat symbol everywhere and there was one scene uh, i believe they it was uh just before him and and Catwoman kind of came back together, uh, where he was standing out looking around and I, I can't remember if he was up on the building with him and Gordon, but, uh, you could actually see in the background, like the, the, uh, the buildings in the background and some of them had the bat shape, like the ears going up mm-hmm. and it was just everywhere you seen, there was always something to look at, something to capture your mm-hmm. attention. Uh, some of the other shots that I really enjoyed were uh, the, uh, uh the gopro style shots right the the first person shots uh when he was when he was gliding and you know they showed him from from behind so you're seeing his feet as he's jumping off the mm-hmm. building uh when he's on the motorcycle just like some of those shots in the side mm-hmm. of the car uh the from the back tire of the car some of that was just it yeah. was just so good and i know it, it's been stuff that they've used before but it just felt it felt proper it in felt this film. good yeah yeah like in everything that they did like it was almost like the cinematographer uh, if this doesn't win academy awards or golden globes amazing. or whatever award uh then these people are clearly mm-hmm. have an agenda
0: yeah i felt like i was watching a psychological thriller as opposed to a comic book movie it was awesome. it really
3: was a detective yeah. it was a detective movie absolutely
0: yeah yeah totally went back to, it kind it of went back to mm-hmm. with uh with going back to the detective uh, in Batman yeah exactly great detective. Yeah.
2: yeah my my favorite thing also about like the cinematography too is that it's not just there to look nice there's a lot of great imagery and symbolism in those scenes mm-hmm. one like one like the strongest one probably is the scene with the torch near the end where he is like in the darkness but being the light that is leading them and not only does that scene look beautiful in the cinematography it is amazing but just the symbolism what that represents for this character now going forward and what he's realized and what he's experienced like it's
3: Le- leading, the leading the 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 Gotham people out of the murk mm-hmm. and into and what the light.
2: Also makes that seem great, and how you know it's amazing is that it impacts you so hard with zero dialogue.
1: Exactly. I think I think uh, that's also the cinematography, but everything in the movie it just really understood who Batman was. It was yes. one of the very few things. Even so, like, the whole meme that's coming from it, the I Am Vengeance thing, to mm-hmm. then go later in the movie with him realizing that that's n- sort of not the way to do it mm-hmm. is perfectly sums up Batman's character. And they just they just understood how to write him. And, you know, a lot of the Batman movies of the past have been carried by the villains. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they eat up the scene. He, like, I... I I know a lot of people love The Dark Knight. I also love The Dark Knight, but everybody loves it for Heath Ledger. Nobody's, you know, Bale is said to be one of the best Batman because he's there with great villains. Not Mm -hmm. so much because he himself is taking the scene. But this was the one where Batman, I would hazard to say the only Batman movie where Batman is
3: the best character. Mm Mm-hmm i can i totally agree yeah. with you on that
2: i agree too but you know what also is great though is that everyone steals the show in this and they don't steal it from each other though like when zoe kravitz is on screen she's amazing she is, has oh, your attention yeah. when it's Hern pattinson amazing they have your attention when it's colin as the penguin has your attention amazing completely transformed um jeffrey wright fan-fucking-tastic as gordon i knew he would be great but he still blew my mind And Paul Dano as the fucking Riddler. What a fresh, disturbing, amazing take on the Riddler. I
1: love that they just made him this fringe internet weirdo. I think that was a great direction to
2: take It was.
3: The the, the thing that's amazing about that, and I I read an article and kind of made the same point too, is that they really pointed out that batman and the riddler really weren't that much different to the scene where they're in the uh when they're in uh arkham and conf- when batman's confronting him in the uh in the cell and he, you know meanwhile he, uh, the the riddler's going yeah we're partners in this
0: mm-hmm.
3: and it just and then obviously after batman knocks out the uh the one uh bad guy up on the up in the rafters and mm-hmm. smashes his face in and he looks up at him and says i'm vengeance and it's just like that realization there that wait a second you know batman is no different than mm-hmm. the criminal element right yeah and i think that that is really important character development point
0: mm-hmm.
3: and but it's just so cool to see that yeah i mean they're they're the exact same but different mm-hmm. you know and kind of something that they've been kind of playing up in the comic books and and i don't want to make this a comic book episode but mm-hmm. uh the comic books have kind of been relating some of these anti-heroes like batman or the punisher like one of my favorites to these guys that aren't necessarily good guys anymore Mm -hmm. right and superheroes aren't necessarily good guys yeah uh, because they're above the law and i think they really play that up as well with this Mm -hmm. episode or this film in particular the way they treat Mm -hmm. batman as a freak you know the police obviously doesn't the police department doesn't like him at the Mm -hmm. start anyway
2: you have to, like, yeah, you have to realize here, like, they're really capturing what is, like you said, Rob, what's going on right now. Like, right now in comics, Batman is an outlawed vigilante. He's kind of on the other side of the world right now because he doesn't feel like he has a place and he's failed everyone. And the hero that people are actually looking to is Dick Grayson slash Nightwing because he has risen above and become the true light, which Tom Taylor is killing that series, by the way. fan fantastic. Um, One of the best things in comics right now. But yeah, like, they really do capture, like, that gritty darkness of Batman. And Batman has a very famous quote that I think everyone here most likely knows. Andrew, maybe not. But it's, criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. And I think at the end of this movie, it really uh, hits home that Batman has realized this now. Where, yes, he needs to use fear on these criminals. He can use that fear as a weapon. But he can't make this fear everything else. Like, he has to still be a light and some sort of hope. He mm-hmm. has to be the hero that Gotham needs and deserves, as We're opposed loving. to yeah. um, uh, Bale and um, uh, Harvey and like their whole. Uh, I think. Uh, White, Dark, uh, I Knight, th- Dark Knight thing.
1: I think one of the things that really will even like one of the things that really drove that home is being critical of Batman as a one percenter. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. As like just even even if you didn't completely delve into it, acknowledging that and exploring it a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think I think that that's well. I think that that's where the avenue you go for the sequel if you're doing that. But also, mm-hmm. I think that that's you know it's it's a very modern take mm-hmm. while still being very respectful of where it came from.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's really key. And I, uh, some of the things I've seen on some of the message boards and stuff like that regarding the uh, Batman and and a lot of people were upset about the one line that Zoe Kravitz had or the Catwoman had in regards to white privilege and people were offended and said completely destroyed their their idea of the film and all that stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, but she's not wrong. But yeah. she is wrong at the same time, because doesn't she realize that, well, she doesn't realize at this particular instance, but Batman is white privilege, mm-hmm. right? And it it's a really good way to kind of, especially when you take the Riddler and you encompass the fact that he's got social media and he's kind of got the Antifa thing mm-hmm. going on with him, uh, that it modernizes this age old story and it really makes it like just that much better. It makes it more acceptable and digestible mm-hmm. for the modern generation and the next generation, right? The the, the new movie goers where, you know, maybe the older Batman stuff, like with the uh, Christian Bale and stuff, it's definitely for fans and Bat fans and DC fans and stuff like that. But this one is really for mm-hmm. everybody. And I, I really get a sense of that. And the story goes full circle. And we talk, you just talked about the fact that you know he uses the symbol as fear and then at the end he realizes that it has to be hope mm-hmm. and i think that they that's a story and that's a, the main message that you take away from mm-hmm. this movie and that's one thing that this movie has that a lot of superhero movies don't have is that this one has a message yeah, and... this
2: character grows and evolves and that's what we want to see out of batman like when you go into uh batman versus superman and justice league with this already like established batman that is the way he is and he's just a dark gritty batman and there's no Like, I enjoyed Affleck in the role, but there's no real character development or growth there. And, like, every other Batman uh, from the 80s and 90s was just a different Batman every time. So you never really got to see that Mm -hmm. character evolve. And then you've got uh, Bale, who, like, I don't know, like, I don't feel like there's a lot of growth with Bale. It's just kind of like his arc is kind of like the same over and over, where it's like, you know gets beaten to a pulp has to find a way to come back to it yeah well it's iron
1: man syndrome right he makes Uh the same mistake in every single movie and you have to Mm -hmm. watch it and pretend that he's grown as a character when it's just the same
2: sorry i just have one more point on the growth and then i'll let you go um but yeah i love though that this movie also like drives home the fact that he starts the movie and he's like this is my parents legacy if batman can't make a difference then what's this all about i can't do anything only batman can do something And throughout the movie, through seeing uh, what people are saying about Batman and Bruce Wayne, through what Alfred is instilling in him, and just also then the ending and helping those people and realizing, like, hey, I need to not. Like, in the first scene, he doesn't, like, do anything to comfort the Asian guy. He just walks on out and he's like, whatever, like, I'm fear, I'm vengeance. But at the end, he's helping the people. He realizes he needs to do that. He needs to still comfort them, which is something that I love also about Batman, too, are those scenes. Like, the Justice League show with Kevin Conroy, when he comforts that girl as she dies. Beautiful scene. But yeah, so I just love that we see that grow throughout this. And at the end, he realizes what Bruce Wayne needs to be and what Batman needs to be. And that honestly sets up the sequel. Like, this is already, to me, the best Bat movie we've ever seen. From what this movie does, though, is that it also sets up the sequel to be the next best Bat movie we have ever seen. Mm
1: I think I think it's just what made it so strong is it's just a great movie in its own right. You know what I mean? That could be any other superhero. Like even if you were to take the whole understanding of Batman out of it, even though that is one of its biggest strengths. But if you take that out of it and replace it with some generic superhero, it still is a great movie with a great message and a great understanding of what a modern day superhero needs to be.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, that they 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 got it they finally yeah, they, they finally figured out dc has finally figured it out and i mean they, I, I
2: would argue matt Reeves finally okay. figured it out
3: that, that's that's fair uh, I, hey i will say though
2: dc's been
3: doing pretty good recently they have suicide I mean, squad they, peacemaker
2: yeah, yeah, yes, yeah exactly the flashback a year and a half
3: so maybe they realized uh <laughs> that you know they didn't have anything quality going mm. on in,
2: yeah. and they moved up shazam i'm actually excited for the second shazam i enjoyed the first shazam it was a lot of fun
3: it was fun it yeah, was yeah. Fun. it's shazam you don't need it yeah series.
2: yeah but like what i like about that movie is that like like snyder's problem is that he tries to make everything dark and gritty shazam knew what it was knew what its content was and it embraced it and that's what you need to do with these heroes you know mm-hmm. and that's also what the batman does like matt reeves knows the source content he knows what batman needs to be at the beginning batman one thing I hate is people who just want an OP Batman who can just do anything, look at a crime scene and figure it out. This is a Batman in his second year. He is still young. He is still arrogant. He is figuring he's still a good detective, but things still get over him. This is his first actual thing with a supervillain. And the Riddler is like an... Height has a heightened intelligence. He's kind of a genius. And so he's battling this for the first time. Of course, he's going to slip up and fall. You know, this is his first time going into like a real big mob. He's beating up petty lowlife criminals. And now he's got like a mob with rifles. He's going to get his ass handed to him a little bit. And what I love, though, about that is when he goes into these scenes, he adapts to every single fight that he's in. It is always different. People get some hits on him, but he takes those hits and then he uses it against his opponent. He is able to take a few hits sometimes too to wind up an even bigger hit. I love how like when he uses the guns, like he uses the guns to grab him and then take the others out. With the uh, the crowbar pipe thing, he just bounces it off to deflect a bullet and take the guy out. Like it is Batman. And in those fights, they seemed like straight out of the Arkham games. Like those I was, fights in the Arkham games I was about so, to say that, Joe. So I was about good. to say that. And like, that's what it feels like. And as someone who like, I have a bit of a martial arts background. They are so well choreographed, they are so realistic, I I loved it. I just thought that the fighting and the way how you see this young Batman growing and learning what he needs to do, like, obviously now he realizes after all these fights, the tech needs to upgrade, the things he needs to study and he needs to know. Like, Batman learns a lot of languages. In this point, like, his Spanish isn't perfect, and now he realizes, oh, I'm gonna need to i need to know these things this is how these criminals are going to come at me i need to be prepared for this stuff and that's what he learns because before he was just beating up people in alleys you know you don't need to be prepared for that he's got a bulky uh bulletproof suit and he knows how to fight he doesn't need anything else at that point now he's like oh i need to evolve batman needs to become more both as a symbol as a person but also as a hero and i just i love that
3: Kind of like magic in the new mutants. Anyway, oh my God. Andrew... Rob Whoa. fucking hell. Oh,
0: <laughs> man, Andrew. Uh, what did you... was there anything in, in the movie that you really enjoyed? Oh, that, that Zoe Kravitz. She was wonderful. Talk about Zoe. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we, we can talk about Zoe. <laughs> yeah.
2: Andrew, you want to leave this one? You've been a little quiet. Uh, go off. Give yeah, it no, no, no. I,
0: t- I'll be honest. I really didn't know a lot about Zoe Kravitz until I came across high fidelity. the, tv series on disney plus and uh i just blew through the the first season on that but i'm sitting there watching kind of like this girl looks a lot like lisa she looks. and sure I enough can... it's it's her daughter <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they it, take, like, it didn't even realize it
3: they take two of the most beautiful people on the planet and they made a child and yeah. wow yeah and that's and she, what she, she got looked, that's the most and then when we put her in into
0: world. what i don't know if it was a leather outfit a acrylic but but whatever it was it, it worked for her. not so sure about the mask myself mm-hmm. I, I, don't know. I i actually Thoughts... i actually kind of i actually
3: kind of dug the mask because i thought okay. it, it was it, it kind of suited the characters it's was also like...
0: very year
2: one her outfit if you've read the year one comic book it's very yeah. year one
0: okay yeah.
3: I think that I think that how they portrayed Catwoman too, like whether well, she wasn't just this slinky, sexy thing, she used her sexuality to get you know what she needed to, but she also kicked ass. Oh, like, completely. yeah. Obviously, obviously, mm. she couldn't really handle Batman so much, but she handled some of the, the mm. criminals like nothing, right? And that was great, and that's what I want to see from a super heroine, I guess, mm. uh, for lack of a better term. Yeah. You know
1: what I loved about it, just specifically about her combat. Is like, I don't think I can think of once where she uses her thighs to fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She just legitimately, she does not do the like. And she doesn't make a
2: cat noise. Female, <laughs> yeah. like the,
1: the classic, oh, like heroin, sexy fighting style. No, she just
3: legitimately
1: kicked ass.
2: Yeah.
3: There was one scene, sorry, there, there was one scene in, uh, it was kind of in dark when she was uh, facing the uh, the, the mob boss. I can't remember his name at the top of my Balcone. head. Falcone. Falcone. Uh, and she. She did something where you just see his head hit so hard against the desk or yeah. whatever it was, and like just, but you couldn't really see what she did. Oh, uh, she, the
2: bodyguard, yeah,
3: yeah, and his head just the way he goes down so quickly, and it was just like, oh my god, that was just like so. It was as badass as the Batman fight scenes, mm-hmm. and that's what I loved it. But with her yeah. characters, that they didn't make her the the eye candy uh, so much. They didn't make her the the Halle Berry uh, sex candy, mm-hmm. you know, sexual thing right Uh, it was about her just being a badass
0: do you guys know if she had a stunt double for all of the martial arts that she was doing or was that actually yeah
2: i would i would assume she had a double for some stuff but there's a good chance she also did do a lot of stuff herself Um, i have two thoughts on all this kravitz stuff the first is that, I'm going to bring it back to the Arkham games one more time, because you do play as Catwoman in those games. And in the Arkham City uh, the, the pre order bonus DLC, you actually do play as Catwoman and like move around a lot as her. And like that scene where she exits her apartment and just starts swinging and jumping from things, it looked exactly like that. Where she is fighting, the way she is moving her body, it's like, that is Catwoman. It was so well done. She looked the part, she like embraced and embodied the part, just like Pattinson did, just like Wright did, just like Paul Dano did. They all became their characters. And I love that. And my other thing is that I also love that uh, going off of what Rob said, she's not just eye candy in this. She has a role. She has an arc. She has a journey and she kills it. And she gives such an amazing and beautiful performance. And it's just so, so well done. I love that they use the long Halloween for her story. It's just, it's so great. And I was like, this is so refreshing to see an actual badass superheroine where yes, she's sexual, but it's being used to her advantage. Like she is using her sexuality. It's not just there to make nerds go to the movie. It's, so well done, and she's actually acting, and she gives—I'm sorry—she gives a fucking Academy Award-winning performance. All of them in this fucking movie do. There's not one bad performance, and one performance that should not be awarded. Holy fucking shit! This movie is one of the best movies I've ever seen, and it's so, so good. And just yeah, Kravitz killed it. I did—I expected to enjoy her. I did not expect to just fall in love with her performance. That—that's exactly what I was going to say. It's fall just, in love with it's her. So so good and yeah and I love now like the entire world is like obsessed with her and what did she do she posted sexy cat woman photos on her Instagram and now the world's going nuts like
3: hold on what's her Instagram again
2: fucking hell right
1: they um um, there was an interview actually where they they, they asked her like so like how did you break into the movie business and her answer was plain flatly well both my parents are super famous so
0: (laughs) I use that to my advantage did you notice my last name (laughs)
1: exactly Um, one thing I want to bring up I uh, specifically about Pattinson but more so on the Bruce Wayne side because we've done a lot of of the Batman stuff I love that they just made Bruce Wayne a fucking weirdo he's just this weird sheltered tortured millionaire kid who lives away from everyone and it actually shows he's not this playboy like he has been in the past Mm -hmm. he is just this like, tall, dark, like, even, I even like the emo haircut, because mm, it's just so... cast. It, yeah, exactly. Is, it really, yeah. it really did that, mm. it really did that well. Like, even Alfred just being like, Bruce, you have to shower. Like, yeah. I, I just love that he's such mm. a weird person in it, and, like, you can look at that and be like, yeah, that guy would dress up in a rubber bath suit and fight yeah. people at night. Like, you know what I mean? Rather, mm. yeah, I think it really fit the tone of the movie well. One, because... I think something the movie did so well is yeah, it's dark, it's gritty, it's got serious moments, it's heavy drama, but also it wasn't afraid to get goofy when it needed to. Like mm-hmm. Batman hitting the overpass, or like, friggin' Colin Farrell or, yeah, Colin Farrell's performance. Like, Whoa. they...
2: It's great, it, and it's goofy at the same time, and it fits so well. Exactly! Because they
1: did, they took themselves just serious enough.
3: Mm-hmm. But it but kept the comic book edge in there, like you said, like, there yeah. was a couple of goofy moments, like, come on, thumb drive like (laughs) exactly like it 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 seemed silly at the moment but at the same time it's just like it was it was Mm -hmm. enough of a comic book style like dialogue in there once on occasion like some of the the side jokes or even when he's uh he's approaching the penguin in the flipped upside down car and you see it and like my wife like as soon as he comes out of the he's he's walking out of the fire the flaming car and he's walking my wife
0: goes oh that's badass
3: and then you see him peeking into the window like upside down and it's just like okay that's kind of silly but yeah. at the same time it, just, it felt though. good it felt good it felt good mm-hmm. the movie felt good all the way like i said i leaned over at one point like 15 minutes into the movie i leaned over to andrew and said i am in love with this movie yeah 15 minutes in absolutely it was just... uh,
2: i also love in that car scene where penguin just takes the machine gun and he fires at will and you just see these bullets crash on glass and then they all crash down and he's just dead staring him no mm-hmm. reaction just Just right there like he is not phased by this and the penguin's like oh fucking shit what is wrong (laughs) with this guy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: yeah so many good scenes so much good direction and like you said good good acting on every single person's behalf now Mm -hmm. let me kind of take over here for a second what what was a con were there any cons in this movie i know i know we probably give it tens out of ten for most part i gave it a 10 out of 10 i know even I 11 out
2: of 10 11. guys but there were was... i never wait no Noah knows this i never do this i never no. love a movie enough to just like not find one flaw or one thing i want to complain about with it and i i've seen it three times and i still fucking can't i love
0: this movie all right andrew Noah, you got i you got I, I mean i even like the janky bat signal yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it was, it was thematically everything. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. What what didn't I like? I don't even know.
1: I think for me, it is just li- one too many endings. That that's mm. it. That's the only thing. It just just it didn't overstay its welcome, but it could have been. Although it's the it's a two and a half hour movie that I can think of, like I'd maybe cut like three minutes of it. Like that's mm. about it. I think that's really the only
3: thing. Yeah, I, th- I have I have three things that I'm going to put on the plate. And I want to I'll discuss them a bit. Okay. So number number one, I'll go with the soundtrack. Uh, I liked the I like the overall tone of the soundtrack, but I think that the song selection specifically for the one song, the Nirvana song, uh, Something's in the Way, which I absolutely love. And if the lyrics were different, I think would have been perfect. But it's one scene where everything is just quiet. And all of a sudden it goes uh, about fish don't have any feelings. And I'm just like, <laughs> Kind of cringed a moment at that song because that song's a little bit of a silly song, uh, and maybe it just didn't really fit with how they're doing. Like the the audio, like the the music of the song was perfect, but the lyrics of the song didn't really fit. And I feel like that maybe they could have left that out. Uh, Thoughts? For me, I was so
2: like encapsulated with that. I didn't even like notice that they used those parts of the lyrics. Like, for me, like, I don't know, I just...
0: I I have to go back and watch it a second time.
2: Yeah, (laughs) like, honestly, I I think the movie does its job where, yes, that doesn't fit, because I do agree that it doesn't fit, but it gets you so, like, roped in that you have Mm -hmm. blinders onto that. Like, you don't realize that because you're glued to the screen, you're obsessed with the scene that's happening, and just the tone of, like, that music, like you said, the score, the melody, is so perfect for that scene that, you don't really realize that, like, what lyrics are being played, except for something in the way because it's the l- loudest part of, mm-hmm. this, uh, of those lyrics. So yeah, yeah, no, I didn't even realize. Honestly, if I honestly thought they only did something's in the way and they just kept repeating that with the mmm. Well, that's very much. I did not realize re- there was more. I'll be honest.
3: I I, I obsessed over that album, uh, that smells like Teen Spirit, Nevermind album, uh, for the longest time. Uh, I grew up during that generation. And I see Andrew wearing a an Nirvana shirt as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that those lyrics I always thought were kind of silly. and I, I kind of felt like it was a, it was almost like a Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge type song. But it was just weird that, you know, eating fish because they don't have any feelings. And it just, maybe because I recognize that song and I know the lyrics as as they go through and I'm just sitting there going, and as soon as he says that, it was just in this one quiet moment in the movie and I'm going, oh, that just seems weird and out of place. And I'm being nitpicky about this, by the way. Yeah, I no, 100%. This, the song, the song felt great in there. It's just it, it was just funny. I noticed that that lyric just kind of popped out at me, mm-hmm. right in the middle of the movie, and I'm just like, Weird.
2: the only way I could find a way to defend it, like here, like I'll play Batman simp right now. Um I could find a way to defend it as you could see it kind of as like a metaphor, like Batman beats up the criminals because he doesn't believe that they like deserve to like, you know, like feel or yeah. anything, you know, like have rights and everything, like they need to be taken care of. So mm-hmm. that's the best way I can justify it, and even then I know I'm stretching and reaching. So
0: yeah, okay. that's interesting
3: for me sorry, I just like, oh yeah oh, go sorry. no 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 oh, i was
0: going to say what do you guys think about the use of of a maria
1: love it well, once it. again yeah. the perfect amount of drama and goofiness
0: mm-hmm.
1: what and I, also... I think that about the nirvana song too mm-hmm. right just mm-hmm. the right little hint of goofiness yeah. that it needed while still being perfectly dramatic mm-hmm. and tonally fitting. I loved
2: it. Did anybody also notice in the movie, not by listening to the soundtrack afterwards or before, that the Riddler's song in the score is Ave Maria at a different yeah. tempo with a more eerie sound and the last note is different?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 did yeah. I didn't notice the last great. note. It's the last note, the last yeah, note.
2: It's Fucking great.
3: I, yeah. I do love the fact as well that the Riddler sings that uh when he's in the uh in the interrogation room or the uh, the cell and he just the way he starts singing that like going back to the riddler just briefly my god he was fantastic and the role as a psychopath like he owned mm. that role yeah. and the, his character just owned it perfectly uh big shout out to paul dano was it paul dano is that his name yeah yeah paul uh, dano, i think
0: is how you pronounce Dano. yeah, yeah.
3: Uh, big shout out to him for that that yeah perfect yeah. role and, the, and i love i love that when he starts singing ave maria during the interrogation mm. and it was just so dark and dirty it kind of goes back to uh there, what was, it? there was a the horror movie that had the uh um uh, tiptoeing through the tulips uh, sa- uh song that played in i can't remember the name of the movie it was oh the one my the, god
0: the, but i just, I just mean thought like, of
2: tiptoeing through the tulips. Yeah. sorry rob that's just oh <laughs> but, but, that, that's a song i never wanted to think about again in my life so thank you for that Fuck.
0: But, the, but, but rule was, number three you,
3: yeah, it was used in, it was used in a horror movie, and I can't remember the name of the horror movie, but it was used in a horror movie, but it made it creepy. And I think with the Ave Maria uh, kind of did the same thing with the Riddler as well. So that's I was just kind of relating that to it. Sorry for putting that earbug <laughs> back in your back in there, yeah, Joe.
2: Fuck. Um yeah. I'm seeing now it's in insidious 2010's. Insidious, that's it. That's oh, it.
3: Insidious, yes. That is correct. Uh one of the other things that I that I felt were a little off, uh, were kind of the relationship establishing or build-ups. Like I don't feel that there was a a solid build-up with Catwoman and Batman. Like I felt it was they fell in love like almost automatically, or you knew that there was something going on. And I I,
2: I want to argue this. I okay. don't think it's I don't think it's it's not love yet. I think okay. it's on it's an infatuation and a, and a curiosity that sparks it yeah you know and Catwoman, Catwoman also wants like and as Noah said earlier Catwoman uses her sexuality to get what she wants so you know it doesn't hurt her to flirt and kiss with him a little bit if he might turn a blind eye or like let her you know be a little bit more aggressive during the interrogation now we know Batman's not gonna let that because even though Batman like can fall in love and everything he will hold his morals to the ground more than anything an example of that, great in the comics, is that he even does it with his own fucking son, where he alienates his son because he blames his son for Alfred's death currently. That's a whole other thing though, right. um that I would love to rant about somewhere else. But yeah like, I, I, do, I, do, I do I do I do
3: get your point there, and I, and I do and I do see that, Joe, but I just feel that it was it was almost like rushed into it uh, like the fact that she just automatically he says i I'm, I'm gonna need your help on this." and she just automatically does it and she just gets in there as well if...
2: but they have they have aligning interests see that's the thing right. that's when fair. he realizes she's not really doing wrong but he realizes that he can get somewhere she can get somewhere where he can't even if he goes in mm-hmm. there as bruce wayne it's still kind of suicide if he did do that it, this way now he has eyes everywhere and there's someone in that's always trusted so it's not going to be suspicious mm-hmm. if she goes in there so he knows he can use that to his advantage she knows who this fucking is like batman has a reputation at this point she knows who that is, and she knows that she can't go to the cops about this. So her best fucking chance at finding Annika is the Batman now. So, yeah, like, yeah, it's like, okay, we're suddenly working together, but it makes, like, I, I don't know, I like that the it movie doesn't, sense. it doesn't think that the audience is stupid. It doesn't need to explain every fucking thing to you. It's, hey, obviously they have aligning interests. Obviously they're kind of each other's only options right now yeah they may not like it and it's it's obvious she she shows that she's not really thrilled about it and she tries to get him to open up and he's just stone cold to her still like and and but they need to work together because they're all that they have right now and they're both desperate because he's trying to save the city and stop people from being murdered and she's worried about her friend
3: okay and that that being said though is that like near the end and she turns and says we could be the bat and cat together and you know and getting ourselves in a little bit of trouble and i just feel like she latched on to him and yes yes i understand like they had the aligning interest you know when trying to find annika and trying to find you know the 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 crime bosses but i just mm-hmm. i just felt that it wasn't there wasn't enough strength to the relationship uh beyond that where even at the end of where she's going yeah we should get together and take off and mm-hmm. and then he gets all worked up when she gets clobbered from behind that he he injects himself mm-hmm. with the uh the venom uh, mm-hmm. So I just – I felt that the, the relationship was a little shaky uh, from – Maybe my point that of anyway. was – <laughs> Me and Noah floor? both have
2: points right now.
3: I love I, it. I, okay. I just do you want to go first or you want me to yeah, go? Yeah.
1: I, um, I think it's totally ego-driven with both of them. I think it's for they're finally seeing themselves in someone else and they're attracted to it. And I think, okay. I, 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 I think that that really – because they're both shown to have an ego, right? Like, especially early yeah. on. So – while maybe the runaway with each other part, I, I can see that. I remember just that was the one where just a second was like, ah, maybe, but then I got into it. Um I, I definitely do see that. But yeah, no, I think it's I think it's just it comes down to they're the only two weirdos running around at night. And I think that I think that they did a good job of showing the bond on that side of things. Whether or not that translated fully romantically, I'm not quite sure. I agree there. But yeah, that's kind of how I saw it.
2: Okay. i agree with you, you know that it starts off ego driven but now here's raman and disagree bring up another point uh, another way to view this is that they both cause change in each other and i bring up the scene once again where they agree to to, where she agrees to help him and she says you don't care what happens to me in there do you and he gets close to her looks her in the eyes and says look at me and then he goes yep yeah, that'll do the eyepiece looks good um they, it starts it starts off ego driven and they, they don't care but she changes in him realizing like I need to care about other people because he starts to care about what happens to her. And he realizes, like, this is a person who's just been dealt a really shitty hand in life, like I have. So, yes, it's ego driven and they see themselves in each other, but she also makes him realize, I need to care. I need to care more about people. And she is ready to throw everything away for vengeance. And he realizes that vengeance isn't always the answer. Like, he's starting to realize that. And he uses that lesson to save her and stop her from becoming more like him. And she stops him from becoming more like her. They do change each other's lives and touch each other in special ways. And I'm sure they touch each other in special ways in other ways as well. But, <laughs> thank you <laughs> for <it> a lot. <laughs>
0: um, but,
2: yeah, but like, yeah like, it's very, like, apparent that these two, like, they start with each other's only options, but then they realize, like, there is more here and we have changed each other. The runaway together thing, I think it's more of the fact that Catwoman has already realized what it, what Bruce kind of realizes but doesn't want to realize. Gotham's not going to change. It's only going to get worse. Because as much as he's stopping it, he's also welcoming it at the same time by doing what he's doing and how he's doing it. So she realizes that. And she has found this kindred spirit for the first time in her life. Like, yes, she's had relationships and other people, but she's, this is a kindred spirit for the first time in her life. Probably the first person she's ever felt as close to since her mother. And she's like, you could have so much more. We were both dealt shitty hands. Let's let's try it something else. Like let, let, There is an opportunity here for something better. And But he will not give up on that mission. And I, I like that. I like that it shows that, hey, we're, they found this kinship, but they're still too different to act on it. And it's exactly what Tom King does with the wedding issue recently in comics, where Batman and Catwoman were supposed to be married, and she leaves him at the altar because she says, if we get married and your life will change, you'll be happy. And can you be Batman if you're happy? And it asks this question the entire run of, who is Batman if Bruce Wayne is, isn't in the dark? If Bruce Wayne has a good life, what happens to Batman? And can Batman still be the symbol and the fear that is needed here? So like, even though like they they at that point in the comic book story, and they're not here yet in the movies, but they are in love, can that romance work and can it last? But in the end, they have divisive interests and views in different ways they live their life. So even though they want it and they're like, this could be something, we could go for this, they can't have it because just of one simple thing and that's his mission his mission comes before everything else so and that's batman and that's why so, the movie is amazing and perfect because it perfectly embodies batman that is my point
3: so so go, going back to the movie aspect of it um how disappointed is she going to be when she takes the mask off and sees that he's a playboy millionaire
2: i i, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if she figures it out first
3: well I, I think I, I think
2: sure. she's already a bit suspicious of it
3: It'd be interesting yeah mm-hmm. so so going back to relationships sorry if anybody wanted to interject there uh going back to relationships i also felt that the uh, relationship between uh alfred and batman uh was a little i don't know i didn't feel comfortable about it i didn't feel good about it um you it, it, it was almost like bruce wayne felt he was just there and it was kind of annoying and the, the one scene where they're in the hospital room and Bruce is waiting for him and Alfred wakes up and he's got a smile on his face, like, oh, there, there's my, my boy, for all intents and purposes, there's my boy waiting for me. And then Bruce just like lays into him like a, a disenfranchised girlfriend and shits on him as soon as he wakes up. After a minute of explanation, suddenly Bruce is like, okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, it just um, felt a little weird there. I think I have a reason I, for that.
2: And I, I have I have reasons to, Noah. Go. Oh,
3: okay. I think
1: that because that's the first real conversation they've ever had. I think okay. that's the first time the reason why Alfred's so quick to go back and Bruce is so quick to go back is I think that that's one of the first time Bruce is realizing that he sees Alfred more as a father because he treats Alfred pretty shittily before. Mm. Like he is not good to him in the first half of the movie, and I think that that's I think that that is part of you know, uh, part of the growth as Batman is as Batman grows as a hero and stuff, him and Alfred's relationship also grows. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things is usually we see, we do see more of a father-son relationship like mutually, but I kind of liked changing that dynamic a little bit to make Alfred see him always as a, as, you know, like one of his own, one of his children but having Bruce sort of still having that barrier. And I think it kind of goes back to the whole privilege thing, right? That Bruce, is, Bruce has almost been privileged to not have to feel that emotion for Alfred. But now, you know, staring in the face of it, staring in the face of loss again, probably for the first time since his parents, he realizes how much someone, another human can actually mean to him.
2: The Bruce and Alfred relationship is perfect, and I'm going to take it, you through it step by step right now. Sit back, kids. This is my this is my soapbox moment of the episode.
3: So, uh, which, if up, you guys man. want, if you guys want to go get a drink, if you guys want to go get a drink, now's the time. This is this turn time. Out the camera This is the then, bathroom yeah. break portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 shut, the shut up, Joe portion. <laughs> okay, Andrew okay.
2: uh, building off of what Noah said partially, yes, Bruce is entitled, and he has that that richness. Like he was born and raised like that. And so Bruce, we have to remember, So even though that orange story isn't shoved down our throat, we still know Bruce idolizes his father and his father is mur- brutally murdered in front of him. And from what Bruce knows, before he discovers more things in the movie, Bruce knows that his father was trying to change, excuse me, his father was trying to change the city and make a real difference. And he's like, yeah, I want to do that too, but I'm going to do it a different way, the way that I know how. And so for Bruce growing up and everything, like that was his father. He was trying to be like his father bruce did not realize that when thomas and martha wayne die, not only does he have nothing left but so does alfred they are all they have left of each other and alfred realizes and alfred wants to see bruce become better than his father to rise to the occasion well do that he doesn't see that alfred wants that for him he just only sees alfred as the butler as the person who has the obligation because he's the guardian sort of thing and bruce's mind at this moment it's that if my mother and father were still around, would Alfred have been here all these years? You know, would, would Alfred still be around? Did he take care of me out of love or out of obligation? Also, we see Bruce has an ego. He's young. He's arrogant. And he's just focusing on this mission. He hasn't realized anything else around him yet. And then the attack on the tower happens. And it's in that moment. Sorry, wait, we need to go back one more sec. Um, and then he's still, he's saying like, so he thinks he's the only Wayne left. And Alfred gives him the cufflinks. And he's like, your father gave them to me. And he starts to realize there for a second, like my father saw Alfred as more than a butler, as kind of, I mean, he saw him as a friend, as a brother. And he starts to realize that and everything. But then the attack happens on the tower. And it's that beautiful scene where he's looking through the glass at Alfred's body. And the nurse says, Should we contact any next of kin? Is there anyone else? And Bruce says, It's just me. And it's that moment where Bruce has realized, but Alfred has known for all these years, they only have each other. It is just them. And now Bruce is, like, upset. He's there. He's watching over Alfred. He wants him to start through. He realizes where he's wrong. And then Bruce's world is blown apart because his parents are not who he thought he was. The people he idolized and were striving to be, Bruce is hurt. He is destroyed once again, just like he is in that alley. And what what, what does Carmine Falcone like to do? He has to take advantage of people. to use their weaknesses and their moments of weaknesses against them. It's what he did to Thomas, and it's what he does to Bruce when Bruce walks into the Iceberg Lounge. He takes that moment to turn everything that Bruce has learned even more against him and in his favor. And now he's twisting the knife even deeper into Bruce. And so now Bruce really know what to believe he's been manipulated and he's hurt and the only person who can give him real answers he's now angry at so yeah when alfred wakes up he's gonna be mad he's gonna lay into him of course he is and when alfred suddenly stops to make a moment and says hey you're a smart guy you are the world's greatest detective like that's what you're becoming look at this logically let me actually tell you what i knew about your father because you know your father was a good man i do let me tell you what actually happened and now look at this logically and tell me honestly tell me who really killed your parents? Who really benefited from this? You know, how, how did this really work out and how did this probably actually play out? And that's when Bruce realizes, like he realizes like the truth and he realizes now that there is more to this mystery. And technically like it is still open-ended. Like it could still be Maroni and not Falcone. We don't know hundred percent yet but it looks like it is more likely Falcone. And they have this moment where they finally, they're both on the same page where we need each other. We're a team and Bruce like realizes he's family and alfred was carrying on like his father's name and legacy just as he was they both bear it on their shoulders and it's the perfect setup for seeing that bruce and alfred relationship that we want to see where they are partners in that cave every night and out on the streets and we're gonna see that now like we're seeing that built to, and it's done so so well because before this alfred was just a butler who had time in the army and taught bruce how to fight and that's all bruce saw him as And now Bruce sees him as more because he's gone on this journey. And not only the character of Batman has grown over this movie, but so has the character of Bruce Wayne. And once again, it's perfect, it's beautiful, and it's amazing.
1: No, I I do agree with that. I think think it definitely shows, you know, I think the Alfred thing specifically is that relationship serves to show Bruce's emotional maturation Mm -hmm. compared to just, you know um maturing as a hero as a symbol that way i think that that very much shows on the human side of things um joe you also mentioned there with like it could still be moroni i think one of the things i like is that when alfred tells him bruce immediately just trusts that hunch He mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't second guess it once yeah. right he doesn't go when he goes back into it he doesn't mm-hmm. leave it open he doesn't look for evidence alfred doesn't have any evidence other mm-hmm. than this makes sense, and this is what I think. Yeah, and I think that shows and how we much. we knew who your
2: father was. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think
1: that that's, shows how much respect Bruce has for Alfred. Mm-hmm. Is that immediately? He's like, okay, yeah, yeah, this mm-hmm. makes sense. This, well, we'll go up with that.
3: And I, I don't disagree with with those points, but just the way that it just happens, just like a snap of a finger, he goes from grilling him to suddenly, okay, yeah, I believe everything you say and to well, me that seemed a little forced and a little i think
1: odd. um i think a lot of that and same as like sort of how they jump into it so quickly with catwoman is the fact that this was just supposed to be a standalone movie like okay, it wasn't right. it was never uh, it was never conceptualized with or from the beginning it wasn't with a sequel in mind we still don't know if there is going to be one so i think it they're is... in talks. Well, yeah, I know. I've heard. Ooh, yeah. I've heard that they that, but you know what I mean. It wasn't. It wasn't necessarily going to be anything other than one movie. So I feel like they just had to speed that up to show that to the level they wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I, which, I think it does suffer a little bit for it in pacing that wise. But I, I think that's an explanation for why it's like that.
3: Yeah, absolutely fair. Like I mean, it is a movie, right? They need to, to get things done quicker. It just to me. It, it was just it was stood out to me as a little odd there was so many
0: so many storylines that they had to bring together very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe just the Alfred story, we all know what the, the back history is and just let us go along for the mm-hmm. ride and, and didn't didn't go over that story again to pull us back mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough.
2: So I was say, before I wrap my last lessons, I just want to ask Andrew, like in general, like your thoughts, what did you think of the Bruce Alfred relationship? Like, how do you feel about it in the end and how it played out?
0: I'll be honest. I, I really saw that as a minor part of the movie. Um, I didn't, I didn't even really care about it that much. I didn't give it a lot of thought. You know, I was, I was more interested in the Catwoman storyline, the Riddler storyline, and really that that was it you know you've got the the joker coming along in in the end but i didn't care about that piece of it or what might come of it whether there's a riddler joker team up coming but it was it was just that riddler and catwoman storyline and batman all all together and uh i i didn't need i i didn't need more from alfred at that point
3: yeah, I really think, and that this is one thing with the movie that, that I can probably go back and criticize a little bit too, is that we I know we complained about it earlier, say or not complained, but we, we applauded it earlier for not giving us the backstories and stuff like that. But I really feel that if going into that movie, you don't really know who Alfred is, you still don't really know who Alfred is. Uh, and the vital role that he plays. I mean, as obviously Batman fans or comic fans and all that stuff, we all know who Alfred is. We all know how important he is. Uh, we just, it You know, they didn't really lend that to it's just this guy who knew his dad and so on and so forth, who obviously felt uh, upset that uh, he wasn't considered his next father or his second father. Going back a quick bit here to Alfred and Alfred first shows up on the scene. He's got a cut on his forehead and he's got a cane, which seems to be kind of a bit of a focal point uh, on Alfred when he walks in. What is a the backstory there? And let's let's avoid the comic book for a second. What is the mm-hmm. backstory on why he's got a cane? Okay, let's. Oh, he's older. He's he's, he's war war injury or something. Mm-hmm. But he's got a fresh cut on his forehead.
1: I gotta be honest. I didn't even remember that. I I, I, I don't re- even know I, if I noticed
3: that. I remember the cane. I didn't really notice the
2: scar too much. Um. I I like. I knew he had a scar, but I just figured it was old. But if you're saying it's fresh, Rob, like I'll take your word on that. And like like. Fresh, it, it, I think the most logical. It's, explanation, a, scar. it's,
3: it's a it's a it's like a fresh wound. Mm, i think the most logical
2: explanation might honestly be just like showing bruce how to fight and everything and there was an injury in that i think that just might honestly be it or it was honestly just like they wanted to make it look more fresh so just so you get more of a grizzled um like feel when alfred first arrives Mm -hmm. you know a more grizzled more experienced uh feel from alfred
3: one one, uh, thing that i did notice so one uh, uh error in the film that i did notice was that uh when the power went out uh as Catwoman was about to shoot uh falcone uh batman was in the elevator and the elevator opens up
2: yeah it dings yeah i noticed that too yeah and like, the
3: door is open like mm-hmm. i mean maybe he manually opened them or whatever maybe maybe it was a manual ding mm-hmm. batman's up there and dinging it <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, but i mean that could be completely ignored for the well, one of the greatest that, fight scenes like yeah
2: like we know that the elevator's already up there because he grapples up the shaft so yeah. he's obviously got and we know elevator shafts usually have like a bottom or top thing latches mm-hmm. open so him getting in there i don't doubt the ding could be that just when those doors open it automatically goes off i don't know i don't a really know older
3: I... building maybe yeah, yeah kind of i i I, I
2: assumed he opened them somehow the ding i think is just what really takes it out if those doors more so just kind of like creaked open a little bit and made mm-hmm. like a like a more like wretched like metal scraping sound i think that would have probably made that more or if yeah, the
3: gangsters ripped everything. the door yeah. the gangsters ripped the door open from the outside or something maybe mm-hmm.
2: Or are they like hearing noise and they go near it and then he just like pops right through it. Like the doors yeah. just kick off and he's in that fight all of a sudden.
3: But but that that scene where they see him, like when the, when yeah. the flashlight goes up and you see him, right out of a horror movie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, oh, this yeah. movie had elements of everything. Go ahead,
1: oh, before we move on, I just want to mention, um, I think my favorite scene, thinking back to it, is that opening scene. And I think the reason First I like that out. one so much. No, before that. I think the reason I like that so much is that immediately shows an understanding of Batman's Mm -hmm. philosophy, right? Like, it would have been so easy to make him pop out and get that armed robber and just clock him. That would have been such an easy, creative decision. But just these long shots of dark corners Mm -hmm. and showing the effect it has on each individual person, that immediately just showed a perfect understanding of Batman, Mm -hmm. and I absolutely love what they did with that scene.
2: What I also love is that that voiceover sounds like, like the text boxes over an establishment shot yeah, in a car. Absolutely.
1: That's what it is, yeah. what it feels you like. You could
3: see that panel by panel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. The only thing that would have made that better is if it started out with Punisher War Journal entry. Oh my God, three, up, Rob.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, And then Anya
2: Taylor-Joy's magic pops up into the, the scene the and says kicks, something sassy, right? kicks
3: everybody's ass like yeah, usual. fucking hell. <laughs>
2: Batman would wipe the floor with Anya Taylor-Joy's
3: magic. Uh, okay, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> fucking hell rob fucking guys hell. remember the rules remember yeah. the rules Rob's the
2: one breaking it <laughs> hey,
3: you're the one carrying on you actually brought her up this time <laughs> uh, just so you yeah know. yeah i this, brought up the punisher what what else about the movie like uh i, I was
2: mean gonna say, i really like do think that this movie does perfectly embody batman and like, I, like you know i said like i love the use of the shadows i love all of that and i felt also like even like the batman like one-liners and everything like they still like felt like batman And his Mm -hmm. presence, you know, like you, you, that feels like Batman whenever he's on screen. Like I said before, the opening scene when he first walks out of the shadows, but also that scene where he goes into the first uh, detective scene where it's the mayor that's been killed. Mm -hmm. And he's walking in there. And just like, by the way, like he walks and the camera moves first with that perspective. Like it's clunky. It's how Batman walks. And then just like the presence that you feel like it's pretty much silent that scene. And it's just him walking through all these cops and they're dead quiet. And they're just like, what the fuck is going on here? But then he walks into the scene, and he is just this bold presence there. He's not moving. He is examining Rob. Fuck off! You're holding up a magic figure right now. For fuck's sake! <laughs> I'm making a good point.
0: He just oh ruined it.
2: For those not watching the video version, Rob just fucking held up his magic toy in in its box and everything. I can't wait till he gets that signed by Anya Taylor Joy and never fucking shuts up about it. Okay, so, well uh, yeah. So yeah. So he walks into that scene. He's just saying that he's just brooding. Like he's being a detective there. He's being Batman by being brooding, but he's also being that detective and he's examining the scene. And then that's he just like, starts like making observations and he's like, this is this, this is that. And he we even see that scene where he walks over to the floorboard and he notices things that the freaking detectives and the photographer, they haven't noticed it yet. Like he's over there and he's like, you know, like he's putting it all together already and he's doing it faster than them. So we see that, that Batman like is this great, amazing detective. The only way Batman falls short of being a detective in this movie is when riddler starts outsmarting him and that makes sense because even though when he realizes he's been outsmarted he still solves the riddle he still figures it out he's just two steps behind and that's what batman and the riddler should be and i love how they keep that relationship yet they add on to it and make it something more a modern b fucking scary and just see like it, it just it works so well usually a relationship where batman is like manipulated to kind of like feeling like he's the partner or that you know like they're similar but different is the joker and they just did it so well with the Riddler and didn't make it feel like that Joker relationship. It made it felt like its own thing. And honestly, just the props to the writing of this movie. This movie is for Batman fans. This movie is for cinephiles. This movie is for everyone. And if you don't fucking like this movie, please fuck off.
0: <laughs>
2: honestly, this movie well, is a fucking masterpiece. Just
0: go away. Yeah. And there's... like we
2: know on the show, I'll go after a superhero movie, every chance I get. Okay, I will I will tear them apart piece by piece. People are still mad that I don't like Endgame. And this movie, fucking hell, this movie puts every other superhero movie to shame. And I know I've already said that, but I just really need to reiterate it. This movie is the best fucking comic book movie ever made. It is better than The Dark Knight. And thank God it doesn't have 30 minutes of Zack Snyder doing slow-mo in it. Otherwise I would have shot myself.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do want to say, um, I'll throw this out there. So if there is a sequel, which villain do you want to see? Mr. Freeze i i've seen mr freeze and i've seen now i have full faith that if they did do him, they do him right
2: okay i think, think we should each just... i think we should each say a villain and then explain why
1: okay sure sure okay
2: so Go i say on. freeze noah who do you want us
1: i've seen this one online it seems to be getting more popular and i i think it's the right decision i think thematically it fits. is court of owls
2: okay andrew who would you want to see
0: yeah i've been i have been hearing court of owls um I have been hearing a Joker Riddler team up in the HBO series, and I think that'd be awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Rob, who would you want to see?
3: I
0: I don't have an opinion.
3: Okay. I don't have an opinion on okay. this yet. I'm
2: going to tell you why
3: Freeze. I will think. So you go. Ahead. Partially
2: for me, it's because Freeze is one of my favorite Batman villains. I love Freeze. I love the tragedy of Victor Freeze. And I love how they have changed that origin to actually be this beautiful, tragic story that is beautifully conveyed in the comic books. It pulls on your heartstrings and it makes you realize that there's more than one way for Batman to be Batman. There's always this great debate that, you know, if Bruce would just calm down and give Freeze some funding and help him out as Bruce Wayne, like, it would avoid a lot of trouble. Like, there's this great debate. And I think if someone can beautifully take that and put it on screen and yet still make Freeze be this scary villain that is still doing bad things, but still make you sympathize with him. And kind of have this moral conflict divide. It's Matt Reeves. The Dark Knight tries to do it with Harvey and Bruce, and be like, you know, who's really the better hero for Gotham here? But like in the end, like Harvey, Harvey, the uh, uh, lives long enough to see himself become the villain. He doesn't die the hero. So I just think that it's really, really important to get that uh, that right, that that divide where you're like who is right in this situation, a moral conflict. And that's what freezes. And I think Matt Reeves can do that beautifully. I think he can shoot it beautifully. I think it would be an amazing script. And I think it would be a great follow-up because now that Batman has realized what he has to be and he needs to be this hope, yet this fear, having his next thing now where he's like, okay, I think I'm figuring this out. Now he suddenly has this big moral dilemma and doesn't know how to handle the situation and it's jarring for him. And now he needs to realize, I need to use more than just violence. It, it would create a great inner conflict, and also we really need to redeem Mr. Freeze from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I like the idea of the Court of Owls, but I don't think it's time to do that yet, because the Court of Owls are very much in the shadows. So some teases for them need to be uh, happening first to be more apparent. We need to see a little bit of a dark, like a darker tone, but also Batman is nowhere near ready to fucking fight a talent. He isn't yet. He's not there yet. And so if we put Batman against the Talon here, it's going to feel like too big of a jump for this Batman that we're building up Uh that, or we have to nerf the fucking Talons and you can't nerf the Talons. Like the Talons are the scariest part of the court of owls. They're just fucking there out of the darkness and they're terrifying and so crazy.
0: How about so, Two-Face? Yeah. What do you think of that?
2: Two-Face has been done too many times. Like I, like yeah. Harvey is a I'm... great character, but like, can we get one movie where Harvey is just Harvey all the way through, and then we tease kind of like a two-phase? No. Can we do that once? Oh, just chance,
1: fucking once? Joe. Nobody wants to see a lawyer. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: I'll ask
1: you this about Freeze.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Once again, we all know the backstory is great, you yeah. know what I mean? It's so grounded and well-written. But, do you think the outward appearance of the freeze cold gimmick is a little too is just a little too cartoony for this medium the reason it works so well in the a, uh, mm-hmm. animated series is because it is cartoony i
2: was gonna say i think that it can be done very easily like you could easily make it that freeze has to be in this cold suit for a reason. like we know freeze in that cold suit to live so if you make it that freeze has done this to be in that cold suit either prolong his life so he can save Nora because the technology isn't there yet and he's trying to do this. Or you make it that, you know, he fell ill and this was the only way to like keep himself alive. Or even that, um, you know, like he uh he did this like it was a failed experiment and it ended up with Nora getting sick and hurt and him turning into this. You can do it some way where he's like in this cryo suit and then he's trying to get help for Nora no one will help him everyone kind of like looks down on him and so he's like i need to take this into my own hands and the only way for him to do that now is for him to start like stealing things and like do whatever it takes to save his wife and because of that you know he's got all this cryo stuff because he was working with cryogenesis genetics or whatever and so he he uses like what he knows and the science that he knows as his weapon you could very easily tell a compelling story with that and keep it grounded where he doesn't need to be this gimmicky guy who's just ice and like there's a reason for him being like this and there's a reason for what he's doing and it makes sense and it's still somewhat realistic because even so in the end like these villains like it's still a comic book movie you're gonna Absolutely. have some uncertain I, points of realism
3: I, I do i do agree with you there a point but i also agree with noah is that i don't think that they they can pull it off because if you if let's take a look at this movie for instance like look how how the penguin is the penguin is not a penguin yeah they they throw a call back to it you know he kind of has some of the features but he's not the classical penguin so for them to do something with freeze might be a lot different and i'd be worried that it would go back to to how it worked with the tim burton film is that the the, the original film was was dark and gritty and you, you look back at it and it's a lot brighter than the other films or whatever but then you go to the batman and robin one with mr freeze in it or was that Batman Forever? I can never no, remember. No, that's Batman uh, and Robin, Robin. the okay. worst Batman yeah. movie. And to like make. how colorful that movie was, right? And the freeze fit in perfectly there. So how does it go back? Like how does Matt Reeves or whoever it takes on keep it just as okay. dark? Uh my concern is that when they do that kind of stuff, when they start bringing in some of these really super and believe me, I love Freeze and I love his backstory and I love how he was portrayed in the in, like in the cartoons, man. Like I literally like almost Absolutely. had tear tears in my eyes with, with his storyline in the in the cartoons. But I just don't know how it would translate well in a very dark, gritty, crow like Gotham. If we so,
0: see more of the penguin, perhaps. Mm-hmm. He's got I'd his own
3: show coming out, actually, yeah. HBO yeah. Max. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: what I was gonna say here choice. though rob um uh freeze uh first off batman and robin the reason why freeze works in batman and robin is because george clooney to this day says that he made batman gay and played batman gay for that movie that's why mr (laughs) freeze being this eccentric bright guy making ice puns the entire time by the world's worst actor works for that movie because that is one of the worst fucking movies to exist to this day and i've seen batman versus superman
3: so New Mutants isn't that bad then, huh? Uh, okay. Rob, yeah. New Mutants no, is
2: anyway. worse. I'm anyway. sorry, New Mutants is worse. It's fucking worse. No, um,
0: um, no, we have this um, recorded now. Okay. Anyway. Um, but, uh,
2: you can sorry, cut no, it all no, you want. We're not here. cutting it. Um, my my thing though about Freeze is that Freeze is still yet dark. Like you see him in the comic book. That was another thing that like you know people doubted what could be brought onto screen from the Batman from Matt Reeves, especially because they were getting rid of Batflip, who everyone thought was the absolute perfect Batman and he did it and he's already expressed interest in freeze and i just really believe that he can take that darkness that edge to freeze make it compelling and tell a beautiful beautiful story that grows both batman and bruce wayne as a character
1: i do have another thing about freeze one of the reasons this batman movie really sticks out against the others is this is a pure we talked about this is a pure detective flick yeah i don't see any mystery coming from freeze it i don't really see isn't, there right. anything to figure out mm-hmm. so i don't know how that will translate to this more detective oriented mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's a really really good well, point
2: either way uh, if matt reeves decides to do freeze i trust him wholeheartedly
1: i agree i do agree mm-hmm. with that as well
2: and i would absolutely love to see the court of owls i just i think the court of owls is a th- Third movie thing. That's I think this very is a, fair, and I think also they've kind of set the groundwork for it with the Waynes being, you know, like mysterious. Well, that's why creepy. I, yeah,
1: that's why I thought that that could work really so, well. So is I think, think you've already yeah. got the themes, and especially with some of the questions mm-hmm. Catwoman asks, exactly. So that side of things, I think they. I think, the think the a
2: groundwork. trilogy that leads to the Court of Owls and builds up to it is a great idea. And where this could go, especially if the rumors that Andrew heard is true. That if, you know, the Joker uh, show, uh, the the HBO show is about the Joker and the Riddler, wouldn't that be great if, like, we have the Joker kind of in the universe, but he isn't our main big focus ones? He isn't, like, the biggest bad, Like, you know, like, he's there, but, like, hey, let's Mm -hmm. focus more on, like, these other really great Batman films and this other great story that we're telling in this overarching arc like we can tell this really great first detective story we can now show this like better like more experienced batman which whatever villain um he chooses to do with like now we get a little more obvious like hey the court of owls is out there and there's something going on in gotham end it with a little bit of a cliffhanger but nothing big and then we get this amazing court of owls story and batman is actually ready to take on the court of owls and then if they decide to do more of these which i would love like six of these batman movies with pattinson absolutely love it i would love to see him from young bruce wayne all the way to like Old great neighbors way and let's throw a fucking robin That's in right. there let's make a good robin actually on screen
3: someone actually yeah, he someone wants actually
2: give me dick grayson and not whatever the fuck titans is doing on hbo
3: can can um, we go back here for half a second and uh because because this is a film podcast primarily for for what we're talking about Can somebody explain what the hell Court of Owls is? Because we're going off on tangents. Oh, yeah, that's fair.
2: Okay, so the Court of Owls is a secret society of Gotham's rich and powerful. Uh, It was originally introduced in the New 52 by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Batman the New 52 is the only good story out of the New 52. I will fight anyone who says otherwise. The New 52 was absolute fucking (laughs) crap. But Batman New 52 is 52 amazing issues. Every single one is a hit, even the filler ones. There's not one bad issue in that. It is so fucking amazing. And the Court of Owls... Court of Owls, Joe. Yeah. The Court of Owls... Court of Owls, what are they? They're they're, they're a secret society of Gotham's rich and powerful. And they have uh, these warriors called Talons. And the Talons are... They're actually ancestors of Dick Grayson, we find out. uh, Robin slash Nightwing. But uh, these Talons are essentially kind of like i think it's cryogen frozen but they're put in some sort of stasis so they can always be brought out whenever the court needs them to kind of do their more dirty work and they're these experienced deadly fighters they're kind of like assassins um it's kind of reminds me of like deathstroke and the way like they fight and all the weapons that they have but they keep to the shadows like batman so it was a really good adversary for batman to fight because then he's also fighting gotham's rich and elite from behind the scenes and it kind of shows how the court of owls pulls all the strings in Gotham and they're working on all these really nefarious dark things it's a really great story a really great buildup and it's uh it's also got a few like like scary elements to it and a lot of good moral questions for Batman and it's also why I think this would be a really great buildup for the trilogy because you would really see both Bruce Wayne having to struggle with that rich and powerful society and Batman having to struggle with stopping them somehow but also the talents um yeah and are very manipulative and even though he kind of defeats them in the end there's always there and they're always popping up and up to no good and pulling some sort of strings in gotham so yeah so that that, that that's the court of owls in like a little nutshell so mm-hmm.
3: okay so those two i you, you just you, you popped one in my head without even mm-hmm. saying it poison ivy i want to see poison ivy
2: i love ivy
3: she exactly. would yeah. be so
2: and i i love uma thurman kill bill is my favorite tarantino film Uma Thurman was not right for that role. I'm sorry she wasn't. But that whole movie wasn't right for Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We can just write that one off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I would love to see- Can't blame her for that. Yeah, I would love- But I'd love to see the Ivy that we have in the comics right now, where she's- Like, she cares about the environment. That's her thing. You know, she cares about the environment. She's connected with these plants, and she's going to do bad things, but she's doing it in the end for a good reason, and she also, like, Mm -hmm. points out to Batman, like, the flaws and the terrible things of men of like man and like what they've done and how like you know like there are the things that's great about these batman villains like freeze and ivy is that they show batman that there's more than one way to be a hero and there's more than one way to help gotham and, and even I, I, though I, they don't go about it always in the most ethical way these villains have a point and they help change and inspire more of batman
3: and i think that's where poison ivy would i think fit in this universe mm-hmm. of the patent the the Battinson universe yeah a little better is that poison ivy i think would be the darker mm-hmm. character that you could fit into it um
0: yeah.
3: and i think that she's got and 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 she's relevant which is what makes her even yeah. better is that she's super relevant right now uh and i think too uh the you might you might scare away some of those alt-right uh minded people that uh you know we're all upset <laughs> about <laughs> that we're all <laughs> upset about uh about the white privilege line and stuff but I think that she would be really good counter, uh, counter to, to Batman, uh, mm-hmm. and and I think it would him. put
1: Catwoman in a really
3: interesting yeah. Position that's what I was about well. to say. I, I think, think that, that
1: dynamic could... that can be a new layer to that dynamic. I think if you were doing like a three movie court of owls in the end, starting with Riddler, I think Poison Ivy's the perfect choice for the second one Mm -hmm. i i don't have anything the only thing i'll bring up again is the mystery but i feel like there's a lot more you can do with that yeah Yeah. with you could also have just like the plant life Mm -hmm. going you know what i mean that stuff taking the Mm -hmm. the brunt of the mystery side well, of it yeah. and
2: then having to trace it back you could also do yeah. like some sort of a story and i don't really know what the specifics would be but where like ivy seems to be the main threat and bruce is dealing with that but there's something else kind of going on in the shadows that he's also kind of investigating and he doesn't realize they're both connected until suddenly they come both to like a a grinding halt and suddenly now there's this big problem and you've got like two really cool villains that you could have poison ivy and someone else maybe black mask you know what i would love to see fucking us on screen again, and uh, more of a darker, grittier take. I, I didn't mind you and doing it in Birds of Prey, but I was really love to see that—that that scary mobster with a fucking black skull in the fucking shadows in this white preppy suit. Would fucking love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do agree that I think Ivy's a great choice. I think the Catwoman dilemma, like you said, noah would be great. And just one thing that I really, really want—and I don't care if it comes from Matt Reeves—I don't care if you go to your other DC universe and it's with Margot Robbie. But could someone give me a Gotham City Sirens movie, please? Like, fucking okay. please, can I just have Catwoman, get, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy doing fucking crime and just, you know, also kind of being, like, anti-heroes and just, just this really, off. really good, fun movie? Can I fucking just have that? Because they kind of, like, teased doing it, and Margot Robbie said she wanted to do it after the Birds of Prey movie, and then there was rumors they would do a Birds of Prey versus Gotham City Sirens as, like, an end to, like, that trilogy sort of thing i just want a a gotham city sirens movie guys i don't know if anyone's ever read it it's a very short limited like 30 issue series it's so fucking fantastic it's a very underrated part of dc's history and i i just i love the gotham city sirens i love when they do little gotham city sirens crossovers still just someone give me a gotham city sirens movie
3: but bottom bottom line is bottom line is margot robbie harley quinn get her back on screen one million times not for whatever reason you guys probably think but because margot robbie nails harley quinn and harley quinn is such a fun character Mm -hmm. uh Uh, yeah i I would love to see a tv show or like a a regular series with harley Quinn. i think you're right i think
1: with uh with peacemakers tv show being such a hit you can easily give harley will make you one for just you know she's they finally got her writing right in the new one. They and Margot Robbie was already good, even in the old, in the first yes. Suicide Squad, which is
3: the, the only reason to watch the old Suicide Squad. Yes,
1: exactly. So I think they finally got her. Right. No, no,
2: Viola is okay, yeah, yeah, no, 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 Amanda applaud, Waller.
1: Okay, yeah. applaud. Yeah, Viola Wallace or Davis for sure. But give her her own TV show for that because she will be great at it. You put the right writers on, it could be a cool, a nice, you know, cynical tone to it that makes mm-hmm. Harley Quinn so fun. But then also, she is going to make you so much money. She's already making you oh, yeah. so much money. Mm-hmm. Give her her own TV show that you can drag out for eight seasons.
3: And then you can have like pieces of garbage like Birds of Prey, yeah. you know, storylines that <laughs> yeah, you know are, exactly. are you know they can make fun, and you don't have to worry about like having mm-hmm. this massive budget destroyed by a, a film release, a theater, theater exactly. release. Exactly. Totally. Yeah, I, I think what, that's the right answer
2: what's also great though is that there's so many different ways to also take harley now that they put her like um right now in comics harley is on this whole thing where she's like oh i kind of realized i didn't do good things and i now that i'm like more independent i kind of want to be better so she's on this whole kick where she's trying to prove to batman that she can be a hero and like kind of be a part of the bat family and it's it's a pretty nifty idea and it's fun and i would just like you know like imagine if we saw harley trying to be like an anti-hero like with margot robbie doing it that would be So fucking, like, a six to eight episode limited series of that? I'd fucking watch the hell out of that. It'd be so fucking good. Like, there's just so much they can do with it. Um, And I just, I wish they would also do more with Margot Robbie. Uh, To my knowledge, uh, and to what insiders have also said, she does not currently have a contract with DC and Warner Brothers to do anything else as of this time, and that is heartbreaking because DC has so many good things that they let go of, and then they focus on their shit stuff. Like, why the fuck are we getting Aquaman 2?
3: (laughs) exactly well joe exactly joe because no one wants know,
2: to see jason momoa on screen that's why there's,
3: there's nothing wrong with yes. jason momoa on screen okay yeah, yeah it's okay yeah
1: exactly <laughs> specifically shirtless um oh my much, fucking yes. god no, how um, did
2: i get turned on against in that one like what the fuck because you
1: went for you, jason you said you got turned momoa, on okay
2: <laughs> that's not what i
1: meant wrong same, same that's um, what i heard <laughs> but yeah no uh that's the reason why is because Jason Momoa is great and ultimately people will pay money to go watch Jason Momoa and let's be honest the DCEU is how can we get the most butts in seats yeah. because even their movies that have been shipped, they've sold
3: nobody wants to see aquaman for aquaman in a storyline or the mera who well, the actress that beat up Johnny Depp or whatever no nobody wants to see that heard. Yeah, nobody wants to see that. They want to see Jason Momoa. Yeah, look, you know, I, and as 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 a straight dude, I mean, you know, Jason Momoa could turn
0: me.
2: <laughs> Rob, I'm telling being... everyone at work you said that tomorrow. Um, but yeah, Andrew, what uh, what villain?
0: You're right. The the court of owls, they they do need more build up. People are guessing at even the Easter eggs from this movie that really connect connect the two. A lot of people don't know the, the Court of Owls story. So, you, Joe, you might be right that, that it needs more development before we see see that storyline. That might be two movies down the road. And you know what? Sorry, I just realized this, Andrew. Um, we're missing the most
2: obvious one here because the Court of Owls is kind of teased in that newspaper reel. But what also would make an amazing detective story, if it was actually adapted properly that the animated movie didn't do, that would also be able to perfectly connect into the Court of Owls what's already established, hush
1: yeah correct Correct. hush yes i've i've seen that rumor as well and the only thing the my only question mark with that you definitely have to make him more of the serial killer building the face i think because otherwise he's a little too similar with what they did with the riddler this time
3: yeah i like how you i like how you went with the question mark there Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there you go yeah no uh absolutely uh hush uh uh, from what i understand too is that there was a lot of influence from hush into this riddler character Mm -hmm. yeah so that could cause a bit of confusion and you could have people doing the star wars thing and saying oh it's just a star killer over again the death star over again so you have to be careful with that and i think that's also why we definitely don't need even though it's been confirmed that the joker actor is the joker I don't think we need to see another take on the Joker at this moment.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think I think steer clear of the Joker for a bit. Yeah, Maybe and I think Matt have, Reeves
2: is planning on that. Like he's been very. walking Phoenix.
1: About so yeah. like he's only a couple of years ago, and it was such a, it was such a great like, role. It's such a great role, and it was such a like wide-reaching performance. Like you know what I mean? It, it won the Academy Award. It did. There was so much that went into it that. And whoever comes in next is just facing a death sentence. Really? So I think, I think, think I think you need a couple years, or just do an entirely different take on the Joker. You know what I mean? Just do it. Make them more. Make them more of a him and Riddler partnership, or something like that. Don't. But it. I think it'll be really tough to weave a Joker in with what Joaquin Phoenix did recently.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, especially now too with I mean how many jokers there are in the multiverse at this particular moment, if you want to call it a multiverse. Uh don't forget we also have uh the suicide squad joker. No, uh,
2: sh- sh- no, not Rob, skip it, skip. Well, but I did
3: forget.
0: Even, don't even go. <laughs> don't, even. don't
2: even. Yeah.
3: But but look at how many different Let's not jokers... talk about
2: the Academy Award winning film Suicide Squad anymore. Yes.
3: How many jokers that we've had over the last couple of years and stuff? And I think people might get tired of it and people and already then, are uh sorry well i i don't remember the, the the actor's name i think he's he's the irish actor he was from the eternals who was very i believe it's
2: kyogen or kyogen i don't know his last name but yeah, his it's, first name it's, is barry it's,
3: it's an irish name so it's yeah. probably it probably sounds like bloggin' or something like that yeah. that that being said uh i think it would be like uh, noah said it'd be a death sentence for him and mm-hmm. i'd hate to see that uh coming back to that though The reveal what do you guys how do you guys feel about that scene in particular was it even necessary
2: so so here's what i like i have likes and dislikes what i like about it is and this is what matt reese has also confirmed that this is very much a proto joker he's not the joker yet he's very much the proto joker so if they didn't want to do the full-on joker but they wanted to do like a little bit with him and have him be like a proto joker and we kind of see the joker get created in a new way I'd be okay with that. Um, but even then, know.
1: we have seen that recently. That's what we Gotham have. did. We
2: have, but, and now, okay, fuck Gotham. Whatever don't your feelings are no, on I'm, Gotham, I'm, I'm muting notwithstanding. Stop, no, no, but they Fucking did do hell. that recently. So yeah, even, but they didn't like, do it well. Takes... Uh, fuck Gotham. Fuck everything Gotham did, except except for Robin Taylor, Lord as Penguin. Fuck everything Gotham oh, did, yeah. except yeah, for that. Oh, he yeah, was,
3: yeah, he was a great yeah, Penguin. Yeah, he was good. Um,
2: back to my point, um yeah so i think a cool proto joker story like i don't know if you guys have ever played uh the telltale batman games um but they did a proto joker story and it was actually really fantastic and really well done and they also did the thomas wayne corruption story originally so that could be pretty cool to do i would love to see um but yeah i think a cool proto joker story could be cool if they decided to and barry does play an amazing psychopath in um, uh, killing of a sacred deer so I think that he could very much embody a good proto-Joker. Um, that being said, the Joker has been done a lot of times before. It would be nice if he took a back seat. I, I would love for them to do more than one trilogy with this Batman. I really do love it. So I would love it if we had like this Court of Owls trilogy and then we could get into the Joker. We could just something with him. And that would also be enough time between Jokers, I think, where we could have a fresh, exciting take and everyone would be ready for it. Or... One thing though, regardless of whatever side I fall on, I love that his look is Endgame inspired because I hated how they did the Endgame inspired Joker in Gotham. I thought he looked terrible. He looked awful. And this actually looks like a scary freaking Joker who cut up his face and is insane. And I loved the way, even though it was only like a dark silhouetted tease, from what we saw I'm already sold and I love the inspiration behind it.
3: Can you imagine if they, they show up the Joker and he's got his face like detached, reattached? That'd be yeah. freaking great. And it doesn't uh, look, look like it's fucking it's how neat. Gotham did it where it just it would, looks like he's got ketchup up here. Yeah, i think it would fit the universe really well too yeah perhaps perhaps what they could do with the joker is let's say they do give margot robbie the the harley quinn uh i
2: don't think they're going to do that they're not going to cross
3: universes but i think that even if so like just to kind of like soften the joker away from batman maybe is just make a series with harley quinn and joker and then kind of soften it the joker's character Still bring him in, but have him separate from this universe, just to give mm-hmm. Batman a bit because even again let's 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 ask the question: Was that scene necessary? Was that scene in the movie necessary, or could that be where we cut it
1: It, it all depends if you get a second movie and even if you're just using it to establish Arco, I think that then it fits, but say we don't get another movie, it is just this is where we leave, this Batman, this universe, then I don't think so. I don't think you needed it. If it's I, there, if this is where it ends.
3: I,
2: I am a, sorry, go ahead, Rob. Uh,
3: I'm just saying, I, I think as I watched it a second time, I sat there and thought, this was irrelevant.
2: I think, so, go ahead,
3: Joe.
2: I think that if the scene was just Joker, yeah, cut, gone, doesn't need to be there but i like that it has riddler in it and it kind of shows you know like riddler's riddler's broken here he had this big master plan it's all over and from what we know about riddler you know he's defeated he's gone in he's gone even more insane than before so he's kind of like in that state where he's going to give up so it kind of gives us a wrap up on riddler but also shows him becoming more like that traditional like riddler and that he's going to try and find a way batman beat him this time but now he's going to beat batman so even though they use the joker they could have done it with another character 100% maybe the joker part of it doesn't need to be there. I think the scene where we have an ending with Riddler and there's someone else there to kind of pick him up a little bit and inspire him to do more chaos in Gotham, I think that is a good ending scene for Riddler to put him at and I think that we that that should be in the movie no matter what. Whether or not you agree that it should be Joker or you think it could be someone like Jonathan Crane um or even Hugo Strange for that matter. All great choices. But I think I that, that, that I think that the scene for Riddler needed to be there, but maybe not for Joker. Andrew?
0: Maybe that opens them up for uh, for future storyline in that it's just more of a, what if we want to use it? Mm -hmm. And uh, something to go with. Um, Going back to Hush, I hadn't thought about it too much, but if I remember correctly, like he was a, a friend of Bruce's from childhood. Yes, yeah, His so family Tom- also came from money. I yeah. don't know if his family was part of the Court of Owls or not. So his parents, um, uh, Thomas Elliott, his parents were
2: um, uh, doctors as well as Bruce Wayne, uh, Bruce Wayne's pa- uh, father, Thomas. And they ended up, I forget exactly how they did it because there's been so many different hush stories. But uh, hush, essentially The parents die, and Hush is uh, Thomas Elliott kind of blames Bruce for it. For some reason, I don't remember all the specifics of this one. I'm sorry. Um, But yeah, but he blames Bruce for it. So he becomes a surgeon himself. And while he still keeps kind of like that friendliness with Bruce, he actually works up a way to steal Bruce's identity using plastic surgery to recreate his face. And then his whole plan is to take down Bruce Wayne, and then he ends up going toe to toe with Batman that is thomas elliott's story right there now in this it's that uh thomas wayne had his father killed it looks like this reporter whose last name is Elliot. so i think that would be really good because this really gives hush a reason to go after bruce wayne um and also a good reason then for him to get involved with batman because if you're gonna go after the person who's yeah. in the most secure place in gotham in the most rich and powerful place in gotham who's now also starting to step out into the light and start doing things for good yeah you're gonna go toe to toe with the fucking batman
3: and it it ties ties in with the movie like so you'd have that bridge and and it
2: gives you so many openings to do more with the court of owls and more with that as for thomas elliott's family i do not believe they were a part of the court of owls because they're kind of just like killed off like off screen on uh sight unseen it's possible that i'm missing something or forgetting something that they are somehow connected but to my knowledge thomas elliott's uh connection so. there there's a not really a connection there
1: okay mm-hmm. no I, I think could be wrong i think uh i think if you do it that i think narratively that makes a lot of sense to do hush in that way like i said just just keep them a little bit away from what they did with the Riddler this way make them more of the make them more of the like body mutilation serial killer and i think i think that works
3: so yeah just that could definitely aesthetically happen yeah and i mean we all know that well sorry us comic nerds know that hush was a really valuable storyline uh within the batman series in recent years so it would be a great you know a great story to run with as well as long as i And can,
1: one we haven't seen wouldn't. we haven't yeah.
3: seen it on screen right we've no. seen a
1: lot of, yeah. even a lot of the people we've mentioned we've seen them on screen a lot um and uh yeah no, it would be nice to get some different something fresh something fresh and again for the new for the new generation right
3: the new generation yeah exactly uh that didn't grow up you know watching adam west and Mm -hmm. you know all the different various characters that were on that show Mm -hmm. also
2: in like the last like 10 years a lot of really cool batman villains and new batman characters have been created some of them have been absolute crap james tinian went overboard okay he really did on his run but so, there have been some new Batman villains that are actually kind of cool that kind of play on both the detective and the horror side of Batman and are also like good adversaries. And there have been like some good arcs written. So like even if you, like, you don't have to do all these traditional Batman characters, you can bring in something a little bit newer that you could also like throw in. And then because it's also newer and doesn't have that much origins, you can still find a way to make it your own, which, you know, Matt Reeves could also go in that direction, too. He could create a whole new fucking character for all I care. Honestly, I'd be okay yeah. with that. Yeah. You don't need to take everything from the comics you can do something yourself and i'd like to see that honestly like i think that would be really cool
3: that that being said though joe this movie was a comic book movie yeah and i mean people could compare a lot of hearts to it to actual storylines within it. you you mentioned a few yourself like the yeah. long, halloween long halloween and such halloween. and yeah so i mean you really take a chance by going out there and creating your own character
2: uh in my mind rob as long as it still feels for me at least for me because like i will still go into something and watch it objectively yes uh in my heart of hearts i want to see mr freeze done right that's what i really want to see out of reeves because i think he can do it beautifully but if i go in there and reeves creates something brand new but it's still it it is a batman villain it feels like a batman villain and it still feels like a comic book stepped off the page I will still love it. And, you know, he's done something that no one else has done before, which is what you need to keep doing with Batman because so much has already been done and so much just keeps getting repeated over and over and over again. Even though he did have to, like, repeat some stuff because there's stuff with Batman you have to repeat you can't get rid of, he made it new, he made it his own, he made it fresh, he made it outstanding. So, yeah, if he wants to keep doing that in some way and it still feels like I'm fucking reading a Batman comic when it's actually just in front of my eyes playing out beautifully – matt reeves can do whatever the fuck he wants he has the keys to the kingdom at this point
3: so i'm, I'm gonna go on twitter and i'm gonna suggest that he brings in king shark uh yes. to be the next yes yeah. absolutely
2: <laughs> but
3: only if stallone is voicing him yes only uh, as, oh. as
2: long as as long as it's not no Tom what? hardy as bane again arnold let's
1: bring in arnold to voice king
3: shark. Ar- arnold yeah there we go. oh yeah no no yeah. arnold arnold could be killer croc and then we can have uh ah, And then we have, like, the Untouchables versus Batman.
2: Hey, Andrew, you want to leave these two losers to create their own own podcast? We can do an actual good one over here? Fuck. Exactly.
3: (laughs) You guys have any final thoughts?
2: I think that this was something that was needed for the comic book movie genre in general. Um, Marvel, it's just, it's the same thing over and over. And everyone's like, I saw someone on Instagram today talking about how, like, they're so excited for how dark Marvel's going to get with Moon Knight. If you, for a second, think Marvel is going to get super dark with Moon Knight... I don't know what the fuck you're doing, what drugs you're doing, but you should probably share with the rest of us because the world's kind of on fire even worse with more and more passing day. Marvel ain't going to go fucking dark as shit with New Moon Knight at all anytime soon. So this was something needed because it's different. It's still something that we know and love, but it took it a step further. It gave it an edge. It did its own thing. It's something that was needed for comic book movies to make them fresh and enjoyable again. It easily takes itself as the best comic book movie of all time. Robert Pattinson is the best Batman. He is fucking Batman, whether you fucking like it or not, you Twilight haters. And it's at the end of the day, I really, really love this movie. I rarely love a movie this much. Even when I do love a movie, I still can always say something about it. I can't say anything about it about this movie. I can see uh, the, the point of for like every single thing. I think it's so beautifully well written. And I just can't wait to see what else what they do. And I think to let this go and not let Matt Reeves do more with this when he has a plan and it shows that he knows what he's doing would be a huge, huge mistake. Also, this movie's making a shit ton of money right now. If you don't fucking make a sequel, because like everybody also wants to do it that's involved. It's so like just fucking make your sequel, guys. And that's it already. We all just want to know that it's happening. I think that if this keeps going, it could really redefine the comic book genre in an amazing way. And even though it might not make as much money as the fucking Avengers all joining on screen together for a big fucking CGI powwow for 40 minutes. For me, it's what I want to see and what I think would be redefining for the comic book genre and actually be something good and unique. Because yes, I'm excited to see Doctor Strange, but I'm more excited to see the special effects in Doctor Strange than I am to see the fucking fan service multiverse movie they're gonna make.
3: Andrew, what about you? Yeah, I just
0: I want to see this. I want to see this detective story, uh, build. Like we're Mm -hmm. very much at the early stages of him becoming the detective. He's making mistakes still. You know he. He's missing the carpet laying tool uh, partway through. He doesn't catch on until the end. And it's just those little sort of things that you realize that he isn't the perfect Batman yet. And there's a lot lot of storyline to build. Mm -hmm. Noah?
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree there. I think the fact that he's not the perfect Batman has made him the perfect Batman. I think that's one of the parts of it. And I just, I do, I just want to see more. And I think that's the overwhelming feeling people are having. I think that's really good. And I'm just really happy to see batman be the best character in the movies because he's the best character in the comics, uh, comics even though i'm a dick grayson guy myself
3: uh as a marvel guy growing up and i'm not talking about the movies i'm talking about marvel comic books and stuff like that uh but i've always had a soft spot for batman my brother introduced him to me many years ago with uh, uh the greatest batman stories ever told and the killing joke oh. by far one of my favorite stories of all time
1: alan moore
3: uh, yeah the the batman robert pattinson first of all cinematographer's dream this is this is a masterpiece of cinematography uh the film was a masterpiece in general and this has really turned i think the academy on their heads in regards to how they select movies and stuff like that this has given them a true genre film uh slap in the head this is a fantastic film from you even with my criticisms uh that you know were disproven by you guys uh it is a masterpiece film from from beginning to end uh and whether they could ever top it or not it doesn't matter this is an amazing film you need to watch it multiple times if you have to just to go and pick up the things that you missed but i would absolutely say that this knocks out the the suicide squad As my favorite superhero super villain whatever film you want to call it whatever genre film of all time and this has even taken the place of star wars on my top films of all time Mm -hmm. and that's big considering that i saw star wars 45 years ago
2: so you don't think that this is better you don't think that the new mutants is better than this right i just want to clarify no no no
3: no but but if magic if anya taylor joy showed up as magic in in this universe it Would be perfect, it would be perfection. I would give it an 11 out of 10, just like you, Joe. Why I'm the... gonna agree with
1: you just because it's gonna make Joe angry. <laughs>
2: Why the fuck would I enjoy his magic being this fucking DC movie? <laughs> she also, Isn't she too busy <laughs> fighting, for fighting stupid uh, fake uh, bears? Uh, hold on, hold on. A second. What, that, what, what is that noise? What is that noise? Pilot?
3: What is that noise? Shut up, Joe. All right,
2: <laughs> actually, I don't think Noah and Andrew have said it yet this episode, so
3: oh, no, they did. You just weren't listening.
0: It's not getting in very quickly. No.
3: All
2: right. <laughs> um, yeah, Beautiful. but yeah, no, I think we're all, we're all in agreement here. This is an amazing movie. We can't wait to see more of it. Uh, Andrew, did you give some final thoughts? Do you have some final thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I've, uh,
3: yeah. yeah okay. I gave my well, thoughts. Well, I to make sure. Sorry, Andrew, what, what would you, what would you give it as a rating out of 10?
0: Oh gosh, I I think it's a 10 out of 10. Love the movie. Yeah. All right,
3: yeah. so I think we're all in agreement. All right. I, Noah, is... did, you, did you give it a 10? Yeah, no, I'm okay. 10 out of 10 on this. This it's is a I, movie I can't that is. I not think of anything that would make mm-hmm. it not.
2: As soon as this movie is available on like Blu-ray and 4K, I'm going to buy it just because of the special features. Once again, I just want to yeah. shout out there are so many practical effects shots in this movie done. Thank you, Matt Reeves, for using practical effects again and not giving me a CGI mess. It's so great. It's so beautifully done. It's so well crafted. And the cinematography kind of to this. He directs so well. His shots, his use of the camera. It's just so good. Everything's so good. It's amazing. I you know Masterpiece.
1: what? Masterpiece. I'm going to do something I don't normally do, and I'm going to give a studio credit. They actually let him take the time he needed to make a competent movie, and I think that's honestly, I think that's right now Marvel's biggest downfall is they're just cranking them out. Take the time, and please do not
3: rush out a sequel. Take up—I
1: don't care if you take another six years for it. Just take your time and get it right.
3: And this yeah. is one movie we can say cast and crew, one hundred percent deserve every mm-hmm. every award possible this, every pat on the back that they can this get is a i don't movie care
2: made yeah. by fans with love for fans and that's obvious from the moment the credits oh uh, the dc credits open the movie to the end where those final riddler credits roll. rob andrew i want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show it was so much fun to have you guys this was it a was great fun discussion. joe appreciate it uh, yeah fantastic we will definitely have to do this again um, Absolutely. yeah Love it. I, I really want to get noah uh, a big round table
3: joe there's a ghost oh, in your background
2: yeah there's a ghost in my background <laughs> <laughs> i really want to get a round table of like all of our favorite guests on like i want to have rob andrew noah Schaefer, me you ava i just want to have this big round table discussion phil we just... phil we'll bring phil on i just <laughs> want to have this big round table discussion where we all just kind of talk about like something i don't know what it is yet but sometime this year i we'll... know of it because we're gonna be... Taylor Joy is magic in not what we're talking that's about. All I was um, thinking. Um, but yeah, no, like because we're co- the end of this year, 21st century cinema is gonna make five years old. So I want to do something big for it, and I think a big round table would be awesome. Well, but Rob Andrew, we're definitely gonna have you guys back on. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, no if you problem. have not checked out um how to survive the modern world or Gen X is not just a fashion statement, did I get it right? yeah yeah okay cool Um uh, yeah it's it's so much fun rob and andrew they just talk about pop culture they're just having discussions having a good time um they're doing quizzes that make me look smarter than i am because i know the answers um <laughs> and they did this really awesome episode with me on it it's probably like one of the best podcast things of, of the year and really in march like let's be real it's gonna get nominated for lots of awards so just it, it, get ahead sure. of oh, it right now well,
3: well, hold Go on a second hold it. on a second though mm-hmm. i thought this was our podcast Andrew, is this
0: not our podcast?
3: No, I guess not. Yeah, all it's right. both it's our podcast. Well, it's a crossover. <laughs> uh,
0: Joe, Noah, thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> you guys. So yeah, We're we loved it. It, so it. it was so much again. fun. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Want to do a um, cool big show, round guys. table?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> fuck off. Um, yeah. So, uh if you have not checked out Robert Andrew online. uh It's hyperlinked down below in our show notes. And so is the episode that I did with them last month. Go check them out. Noah, where can the people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's mostly just my journalism stuff, so there's not as much fun stuff there anymore. But um, you can find me at Noah 14 and you can hear me on the radio if you're in Newfoundland or online at vocm.com. And if you're in Newfoundland in the St. John's area, you can hear me on 590 VOCM AM radio. Um, once again, just new stuff, so not as exciting as uh, this kind of chat, but yeah, that's where you can find me.
2: And remember also if you have any questions about the podcast, no, please email us noah13 at gmail.com. We <laughs> want to hear your questions. We want, it we out, want you guys to become a part of the show. Send us your email. Um, and our amazing email representative will email you back with an amazing three-paragraph minimum response. And maybe okay? maybe
3: you can request maybe you game. can request a nice headshot of Noah with that gorgeous locks of Aquaman hair that he's got going on there rob you don't understand it's actually his goal to look like jason momoa you oh, just yeah, like 100%. gave him the biggest compliment. Well, yeah, I don't take that. yeah. that's gonna carry
1: me for days yeah perfect Um
2: uh, yeah if you want to uh, follow me i'm still uh, working over at Capcan comics as a social media manager rob's over there with me too we're having fun playing with comic books every single day yeah you could uh, so yeah uh, you can check me out on instagram at the one and only jdv with underscores in between each word i'm also on twitter at the one and only jdv um and if you forget any of that as always it's hyperlinked down below you know what, what else is there? What else know. is hyperlinked? I've what's set you up hyper- so easily.
1: What what's been hyperlinked? I don't know. Our
2: our Patreon, our merch. Our pa- oh our, the show, our show shirts. Oh so um Joe-
1: our best our best-selling piece of merch by far. I'm not wearing it today. Over a hundred pieces um, sold.
2: But what does the it say? shut up
1: Joe shirt. Oh, it sure says shut up shut Joe. Up, Joe. Uh designed by the great Noah Schaefer. And it is Joe's entire family, I believe, got Christmas card photos in them. Uh the year it came My out. My entire family so, owns
2: shirts and sweaters of them.
1: There you go. So if if ever you've been out on the go out with our little friend here, and you've just thought to yourself, shut up, Joe, it's time for you to pick up a t-shirt.
2: And, and uh money. yeah, if you want to support the show that way, it's a great, quick, easy buy. We've also got mugs, pillows um notebooks essentially we, we put it on everything and we've got a whole bunch of other designs too from the podcast go check them out uh if you want to support us monthly we do have a patreon for as little as one dollar a month you can support the show with noah and my mom and join the 21st century cinema club that's what we're calling it now because of rob yes,
0: um, yes the club
2: <laughs> the Patreon is now the club so rob you want to be in the club so badly Head on over to Patreon. It's
3: right. a dollar a month. All right. <laughs> and, since, and since Joe's plugging everything on our podcast, yeah. Uh, I just like go to go ahead, plug. Check, plug away, guys. All you want. at uh please, if you if you're in need for digital media, photography, videography, graphics, illustration, anything like that, you can contact us at tribe74.com. Check us out, or you can follow our podcast. Like Joe's already said a million times. You'll find the links below. And uh yeah, good times were had here today. And I hope that we can do this again.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to do it again. This was so much fun, guys. Um, Yeah, uh, so for everyone listening, thank you, as always, for listening. Follow the show down below at 21st Century Cinema or at TFCC Podcast on all social media platforms. And we'll see you guys next month when we break down the Oscars, me, Noah, and Ava talking about if the ceremony was good or not. And we have hosts now, and it's not whoever the fucking dumbass Noah said last episode. Tim Robinson should have been the host. Fuck off, we're done, we're done. That's it, that's the episode. Anya Taylor-Joy should have been the host. For fuck's sake. As magic. Thank you. As
0: magic. (laughs) Peace. How to Survive the Modern World, or Gen X isn't just a fashion statement, has partnered with Patreon. So you can help support the podcast for as little as $3 a month and get access to exclusive content. Visit patreon.com forward slash how to survive the modern world to see how you can become a pod pal or even the pod Pod God. god.